whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. It's Lindsay for the 100th time. For the 100th time. That's awesome. And yeah, 100 episodes, 100 straight episodes. Of not one scared single to death. one missed ever. Nope. That's crazy. We are pumped. We are jacked up. <laughs> and that means yeah. that we're just like a couple episodes away from two years. Right, exactly. Which is also very exciting. Oh, uh, it is very exciting. It's been fun. It's been a fun ride. I like you. I, I like, like you. doing this ride with you. A <laughs> uh, big episode. More stories. More announcements. A drinking game. More chit chat after the show. At the end. Don't at worry. End. You can skip it if you don't like it. This is your first time here. Yeah, this is a little atypical. This is more like our Patreon episodes. Yeah, the, the, yeah exactly. It's like a bonus episode. Um, okay, so I'll go over the drinking game rules in a bit. Okay. Need to mention a fun sticker uh, street team oh, event. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're starting soon. And then the August donation. Uh, all, yeah, again, like you said at the very end of the episode, the Q&A, Annabelle sent in some questions that we will answer. Uh, new, you could say I'm paranormal. T in the Bad Magic Merch dot uh, com store, love it. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Some and some street team stickers. Uh, we've done a few rounds of street team stickers over on the uh, a different Bad Magic Productions dot com show. Time suck. Uh huh. And uh, opening it up to all three shows now. Okay. So yeah, we're gonna go um, bigger. Oh man, this is so uh, annoying. My my book just opened up. Oh no. Um, there we go. Closer. Close it. Um. Yeah, you're going to go bigger with, a, with a, a bigger grand prize, which is a $200 merch credit you can win just by slapping some stickers around your neck of the woods. Cool. Here's the quick details. High noon Pacific time, Monday, August 16th. The stickers will go live at badmagicmerch.com. They're free, but only 500 total sticker packs available. First come, first serve. Okay. Yeah, and they are free. First come, first totally serve. Totally free. No shipping? No anything? God, I don't know that part. Oh, dear. I, did, I don't have that detail in my notes. So there may be shipping and handling. I honestly don't know. We have covered it in the covered the shipping in the past. There's no shipping in no handling. shipping. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Sorry, Thank I, th- you. I Thank thought you, you knew. <laughs> uh, yeah, once they're gone, that is it, and only one sticker pack per person. Once you receive your stickers, all you have to do is slap them all over the place, snap a pic of where you just put them, post that pic on Instagram and Facebook using the hashtag Bad Magic Street Team. So that's it. Hashtag Bad Magic Street Team. That, that's it. Uh, a winner will be picked at random Monday, October eighteenth. The more you post, the better your odds of winning. Each post throws another piece of that paper uh, with your name on it into the digital hat. Cool. And here's the details again. Monday, August 16th, high noon Pacific time. Free sticker packs available. Badmagicmerch.com. Only 500 available. Once they're gone, they're gone. Slap those stickers around. Um, snap a picture. Upload it onto socials using hashtag badmagicstreetteam before October 18th. Random winner gets a $200 merch credit. Goal is to have fun. Please don't do anything stupid and harass businesses with this or anything. Just have fun and help us grow this amazing Bad Magic community one sticker at a time. So thank you. Thank you. Quick charity. Thanks to the Roberts and Annabelles for allowing us to donate an untold amount of our Patreon support this month. Recording early uh, to the August Bad Magic Productions charity, the Wild, Line, the Wild Land Firefighter Foundation. Cool. Uh, sorry if I'm if seem a little more frantic. I've been doing double shows this week, and so my brain feels like it's going to explode. Okay. How about this? How about this? <laughs> yeah. <gasps> 
<sighs> I know, and it's more announcements. Like, I know. It's okay. <sighs> it's okay. Because you know what? The people yeah. who are here, yeah. they, they heard your precursor warning. Mm-hmm. They, they would rather fast forward than you fast forward. Yeah. Uh, Going to donate to some first responders again. Uh, so many fires once again. Fire yeah, season. I know. It's awful. Since 1999, the foundation has also provided emergency support services to the families of firefighters seriously injured or killed in the line of duty. Families left behind, many with young children, often find themselves with few resources, and this foundation steps in big time to help. It's WFFoundation.org to learn more. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm so glad I found them. Yes, I am also glad. Uh, and they give a higher percentage. We'll probably go over that later, but a higher percentage of you know what you donate goes to the firefighters than a lot of firefighting charities. Yeah, if you go to their website and just mm-hmm. read how it was founded, why the woman who founded the foundation founded it, mm-hmm. that'll explain why so much of it goes actually into the hands of the people who need it. Yes. And then uh, for our drinking game, our Roberts and Annabelles uh, made up the rules. And these rules, these rules are going to be available. I'll, we'll go over them, but they're going to be available in the episode description to make it easy and on social media if and, you'd like to play along. And if you're a patron, you can just go back to the post mm. where I posted them. Do you want to go over them now before we do our previews? Oh, sure. Because we already at least hit one of them. <laughs> so I, I, we didn't, we're not going to backtrack. Okay. 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 okay so I'm going to read every time Dan does this, you have to drink. And then you could read mine. Okay, great. Okay. Every time Dan says, mm-hmm. Every time oh Dan mispronounces something. Okay. Every time Dan has mush mouth. Isn't that the same thing? No. Mispronunciation is like. Oh, I confidently say the word incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. That's mispronunciation. Mush mouth is like when you get all jumbled up on your words and you're like. Got it. Okay. So please take it easy. Uh, Dan fails to shock Lindsay with a picture in the, at the end of the mm-hmm. story. Dan mentions Riggins, where oh he's God. from. <laughs> Do I mention that all the time? I guess so. Oh, we must God. talk about it a lot. I know. These were very enlightening little yes, jokes. this is good. And Dan makes a sex or masturbation joke. Okay. Okay. Fair. Well, mine are also very telling. Okay. It's when you say, uh, get the fuck out. Okay. When you say spoopy. When you say yikes. Uh-oh. When you mention Ohio. I know. I didn't know I talked about it so much. I think I do. <laughs> when you mention crystals, <laughs> when you scream, when you pull up the blankets and completely go under except for your head, <laughs> <laughs> and when you mention salty in doorways. I, I didn't know I was talking about it so much. Okay. And then collectively, uh, yeah. if one of us jumps, uh-huh. anytime another bad magic show is mentioned, oh boy. if either of us says eek. And if either of us says Darren. This is very telling. I know. I was like, oh, I love it. We, okay. need, we need some new catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> we need to broaden our vocabulary. Okay. The, the scared to death lexicon is small. So we'll try and honor that as best we can. And you uh, you do it yourself as you're playing along. Producer Joe has a list as well. So is we will not interject if it messes up the flow of being in the story. Right. Okay. So like if you do something, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you did it and drink. So we'll do it after. We'll, we'll catch up after the stories. Well, I'll be like drinking as we go. Gotcha. And we'll kind of like try okay. to do an honor system. Maybe okay. I'll do a little tally. Okay, perfect. Okay. And then... Uh, I, now, I love the idea of tally marks. And then it just like by the end, Dan's like, how much do I have? She's like, you have to drink a whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> the entire bottle of whiskey has gone after the first oh story. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm drinking an old fashioned and I got this uh, new whiskey uh, Sexton single malt. And it's um, it's did, the people did you who get make it? Sexton did, single did, malt. Did you get it? I think oh, I got it for you. you got it for me. I was just saying that like what I have with me. <laughs> yes, you bought it. And it's the makers of from the makers of Tullamore Dew. Tullamore Dew. That's right. And very cool. Uh mm-hmm. It is this uh, special edition, I think you call it, not brewed, but crafted by mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a female brewer okay. or 
whatever that title is, which I guess apparently they're very few and far distiller? between. Distiller. Uh-huh. Female distillers are few and far between. Uh-huh. I didn't know. And, and you have crystal vodka. I do. I have crystal it's a skull, skull bottle. Yes. Yours has a skull on the top, too. Yes. My, oh, yeah, my vodka, vodka is made by Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Random piece of trivia. Do you have more than two stories? Oh, do I? Okay. I have four. Four stories? Yeah. Big episode. What are they about? Stuff. <laughs> no, no hints? <laughs> um, okay. Well, my last tale, you have to stick around to the end because we solve the mystery of the ghost that has been haunting our studio. I'm not even kidding you. Mystery fucking solved. It is so hmm. good. You're going to love it. Uh, let's see. My first story is... Oh, oh my God. Yes. I have to drink. I just did... Hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Um, okay. Um, my first story is comes from a embalmer, a mortician, about okay. something that was happening where she works. And my second story, oh, yeah, this is a really creepy potential UFO alien story submitted by this guy, Travis, who has this awesome podcast, The White Vault, that we've talked about before. Yeah. Really good. Then we have a skinwalker. And then we solve oh. the mystery of the haunted Bad Magic Studio. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super pumped about this episode. I, I have two, but really three, and they're big. Okay. Uh, and I say re- like two, really three, because the second one has two encounter stories within it on the same subject. Oh, all right. And that's Asheville, North Carolina's Sealy Castle. Rumors of a cult of devil worshippers uh, have surrounded it for years. Mm. Really creepy. Uh, how many of the areas missing have ended up murdered in some sort of dark ritual? Have sacrifices actually awakened or strengthened anything? Uh, before we try to unpack all that, we're going to return to Romania and explore another spooky forest. Last time we were there, we visited the uh, Hoyabachu Forest, known oh, as yeah. Romania's Bermuda Triangle. Those people that try to I say the night. I remember that. It's kind of similar. This time we check on the Devil's Precipice. And that's uh, two young men, one local, one American, claim to have encountered a strange creature when they try to locate legendary treasure in the middle of a dark, cold night. Well, that's interesting. It, it is. It's a, it's a fun story, I think. Raiders of the, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, like a very small-time version of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually. Uh, do you, uh, are you ready for the first tale? Yes, and I'm so glad that I'm allowed to say, mm-hmm, because I just did it. I was about to drink, and I was like, oh, oh wait, that's, that's, that's mine. That, that's Dan's. Um, okay, I have on some little animal critter fuzzy socks. There we go. Oh, um, very cute. It's very cute. I'm getting under. Do I have a minute to get cozy? You do. Okay, you do. great. Thank you, Dan. Uh, the Devil's Precipice is located in a forest near the Romanian village of Poiana Tresti. Within the woods is a spot supposedly haunted by evil spirits who, according to legend, protect buried treasure. So this is new. Uh, the spirits have cast a spell on the treasure to keep it hidden and pr- to protect it further. If any wandering daredevils happen to get too close, the spirits will attack to protect their treasure. It's a crazy claim, I know, but people have reported seeing strange, monstrous creatures in the area, terrifying beasts with the heads of bulls and human bodies. Some have tried to drink a... Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh, wait, no. Do I have to drink? Oh, man. oh That's not how this no, works, right? No, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, I everybody think does. so. Yes, everyone has to. Yeah, everyone yeah. has to. Fuck, all right. I Joe. apologize for camera angles coming up. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, don't, yes. pre- don't press any buttons. Okay, why? I won't. Because what if he accidentally doesn't record it or deletes it because he's drunk? <laughs> I'll be devastated. So, some who've tried to dig up the treasure have... Oh, wait, I gotta go back. Crazy claim I know, but people have reported seeing strange, monstrous creatures in the area, terrifying beasts with the heads of bulls and human bodies. Some who have tried to dig up the treasure have not been harmed physically, but their sanity has taken some damage. They've been found miles away from where they were last seen or last remember being covered in scratches and disheveled. A few have speculated they think that the Devil's Precipice is some sort of interdimensional portal. 
In the early 1940s, after hearing tale after tale from frightened locals for years, three priests tried to sanctify the spot. And according to legend, after the ceremony was completed, all three descended into a madness from which they never recovered. Hmm. There's a lot of lore around this somewhat hidden, heavily wooded location. What happened to the ground there? How was it spoiled? The Devil's Precipice origin story states that ancient priests practicing strange and powerful Dacian rituals to invoke nature's spirits for protection. Uh, the Dacians, the Dacians. Oh my God! What is Dacian? Dacian is a. Well, that's what I was going to get to before I mess up. Mm. And I'll just say this: we won't stop. Yeah. We're in, again, we're not going to stop. Okay. When we're in the story. Yeah, once okay? I get in the time now, I'll, I'll keep track yeah, and just keep don't track. even worry about it. Don't pause right. because that's obnoxious to the listener. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, yeah, just keep track from now on. Okay. Well, in the setup, it's okay. But when you get to the story, let's not do that. Uh, The Dacians were the original people of Romania. Oh. And local lore states that their priests once summoned evil spirits in a ritual gone wrong, thereby cursing the treasure they were trying to protect. How much treasure is there? What kind of treasure? No one knows. If it's even possible to find it, no one has yet done so according to those who have written about it. Will anyone ever find it? Uh, Again, according to legend, only those with the courage to sleep close to the edge of the ravine, the precipice, and sleep out in the open will receive instructions on how to find it. Oh, I get it now. One of the characters in this allegedly true encounter tale claims to have received those instructions. But knowing where the treasure is and actually finding it seem to be two very different things. Time now for the tale of the Dark Guardians of the Devil's Precipice. Maxim didn't even want to go to Romania. His mother sprung the idea on him and his sister over dinner one night. She'd already planned the whole trip, leaving them no choice but to go or risk really upsetting her. I bought us tickets to visit my family, she said, poking at her food awkwardly. We're going to Texas to visit Aunt Larissa? That'll be fun, his sister Elena smiled, encouraging their mom to continue talking. Ever since Maxim's parents divorced last summer, his mom really hadn't been the same. She was clearly depressed, often quiet, sullen and withdrawn, and he wished she'd go talk to someone. No, not Aunt Larissa, his mother continued, my family in Romania. I was talking to my grandmother and my cousins over Skype, and they invited us to stay with them for two weeks. We're going to spend New Year's with them. I think it will be good for all of us. I miss my family, and you two have never even met them. You'll love them all. And Maxim, she turned to face him, you have a cousin who's just a couple years older than you, Andre. You remember him, right? Maxim nodded. I do. I remember Skyping with him a few years ago. He hated to do it, but Maxim now felt compelled to bring up the elephant in the room. What does dad think of us being gone for the holiday? They were scheduled to spend Christmas with their mother, something their dad was already angry about. Now he'd miss out on New Year's with them too. His mom sighed with a tense pause and told him he's fine with it. Maxim and Elena kept silent. They knew their dad was not fine with it. Their parents had most likely had a shouting match over the phone with their mom pulling the primary custody card, threatening to ruin him in court if if he tried to argue with her. They'd overheard similar arguments numerous times. It had been a messy, angst-filled divorce. Well, I guess we should pack our things and learn some Romanian. Romanian, Maxim said resignedly. After a bumpy, nerve-wracking flight, a month later, they finally landed in Romania. Maxim still didn't want to be there, but he wasn't going to broadcast that to his mom. She was excited to see her family, the happiest she'd been in weeks. They took a taxi to Ploiesc, and from there, another taxi to Poiana Tresti. Maxim read the signs as they drove past, watching the quick shift from city to rural to really rural. They drove past big modern buildings, and then smaller modern buildings, and then traditional Romanian village, mud and wood, multicolored homes, built much the same way they'd been built centuries earlier. Streetlights were traded out for thicker and thicker trees. Maxim couldn't explain why he didn't want to be there. He did want to meet his family, he did want to visit another country, but he had just had an anxious feeling about the trip that he could not shake, and it only got worse as they approached his family's village. 
Poyana Tresti, the sign read. This is it, his mom said, turning back from the passenger seat to grin at him. A few minutes later, the taxi driver turned down a one-lane road and pulled up to a small house. His mother thanked their driver, paid the fare, and they unloaded their things, standing together for a moment on the threshold of his family's home. Why did Maxim feel nauseous as he watched the driver pull away? Maxim's thinking was interrupted when a woman he'd seen over and over in pictures and several times on Skype opened the front door, smiling from ear to ear. Welcome, welcome, come inside. This was his Aunt Karina. The lights from her, her home glowed a warm, inviting yellow. After a bombardment of hugs and kisses from Karina and Maxim's great-grandmother, they all settled down into her small living room. Dinner is almost ready, Karina called, checking the pot on the stove. We're just waiting for Andre to get home from work. As if on cue, Maxim heard a car pull up next to the house, engine turning off and heavy footsteps outside. He heard the sound of boots kicking against the side of the house, knocking off some dirt. Andre opened the door, walking into the living room to greet everyone. Hello, family, he said, giving them a warm smile. He had the same accent as his aunt and great-grandmother, the same dark hair, and even darker eyes. Something about him felt mischievous. After a round of introductions, everyone settled down to eat. The conversation flowed easily at the table for people who hadn't met in person in years, decades, or in some cases, ever. Maxim was nervous about meeting his family at first, but now he was relaxing. They were some of the nicest, most welcoming people he'd ever met. Maxim learned that he and Andre would share a room during his stay. He felt guilty that Andre was going to be sleeping on the floor for two weeks, so they negotiated a rotating floor and bed schedule. They stayed up late into the night the first day, talking to each other and really getting to know one another. Maxim's strange anxiety regarding his trip to Romania was lessening by the minute. He knew he was going to be in for a good time with Andre. The next week and a half passed by quickly, and they did have a good time. Maxim spent his days meeting all his family, wandering around the villages and the commune with Elena, and sneaking out to a few bars with Andre. They celebrated New Year's at the village center, a small festival with food, stories, and a huge bonfire. On his second to last night, Maxim lay on the floor, Andre in the bed above him. He contemplated the entire trip, thinking about his flight home now in just two days. Can't sleep? Andre asked. Nah, I'm wide awake. He paused. Good. Let's get out of here. I wanted to do something big for one of your last nights here, and I've got a great idea. I don't think I can drink again for a long time after last night. Andre laughed. No, not drinking. Something better. He got up and settled on the floor next to Maxim. Treasure. A shit ton of money. What are you talking about? Money from where? And so Andre told him about the devil's precipice and the horrifying creatures that supposedly guarded this legendary buried treasure. It's 11 o'clock, Andre said. If we can camp outside under the stars before midnight, we might get the directions to access the treasure. I don't know, Andre. This sounds like bullshit. Yeah, probably you're right. But fun to dream. And what if the legends are real? What if we actually found treasure? So much money, it would change our lives. I know there's probably nothing out there, but I've always wanted to go. I've never found anyone I wanted to take with me until you arrived. Hanging out these last 10 days, I can tell you're brave, Maxim. And only the unafraid can find the treasure. Do you really believe all this? Maxim certainly didn't. He'd never believed in spirits or life after death, and he definitely didn't believe in buried treasure lying in the woods. It sounded like some Romanian version of Goonies or something. I don't know, his cousin said, pondering. And then his mischievous eyes lit up. But I want to find out. Okay, let's go. It can't hurt to look, said Maxim, as he put on a jacket and shoes. He was warming up to this crazy idea. He couldn't sleep anyway, and a nighttime winter woods hike sounded like it could be pretty memorable. Definitely some good bonding with his cousin, something they could always look back on and laugh about later. It suddenly felt like he was ten years old again in the best way. As quietly as they could, the two young men snuck out the front door, leaving a sleeping house behind. According to Andre, Devil's Precipice was just a 15-minute walk from the house. A cold walk. 
They were wearing heavy coats, winter hats, and boots, lighting their way with flashlights. They walked mostly in quiet companionship, focusing on not tripping and twisting an ankle. The minutes passed, Maxim watching his breath cloud in front of him, starting to wonder how good of an idea this was now that he'd been out of the elements, in the elements for a while. He knew it would be cold, but it was colder than he'd expected. We're almost there, Andre whispered. Did the air feel like it was getting colder, Maxim thought? Maxim was cold when he left the house, but the brisk walk kept him warm. Now, still walking just as briskly, he was shivering. Ugh, this was the kind of cold that seeped into your bones, the kind that wouldn't go away no matter what you did. He didn't know if he'd be able to last as long as Andre. At least they weren't far from his house if he needed to head back. Andre stopped suddenly. Look, he said quietly, nodding in the direction of the woods ahead of him. Maxim stepped forward to see what what his cousin wanted to show him. The precipice was definitely the right word to describe this place. They stood in front of a steep, thickly wooded ravine. During the day, it must be beautiful, but now it seemed creepy. Maxim couldn't think of a better way to describe it. The brutal cold crept further into his bones, so much worse now that they'd stopped moving. Suddenly, a bunch of internal alarms started going off. The anxiety he'd felt about coming to Romania weeks ago came back immediately, tenfold. Something was wrong, Maxim thought. We shouldn't be here. These two thoughts repeated over and over in Maxim's head, warning him. Andre didn't seem to share these thoughts. He seemed eager to be there, using his flashlight to search for a camping spot. There, Andre said, pointing his light far down the hill. Thanks to all the previous adventurers who came over the years, there was a makeshift trail down the ravine and a somewhat cleared-out area for campers to sleep close to the edge of the cliff. The path was steep and dangerous, but both men, young men made it to the edge with no injuries. They spread out their sleeping bags, huddling inside to try to conserve warmth. Maxim looked up at the stars, trying to find familiar constellations. Hopefully soon, he thought, Andre would realize this was stupid and they could head back to the house. It was even colder now. He could not understand how the temperature could keep dropping so quickly. Are you afraid? Andre asked, voice cut into the silence. Silence. It was so quiet. Odd. For such a wooded area, Maxim expected to be kept awake by the sounds of small animals, wind rustling to the trees, gravity making small rocks and sticks fall down the ravine. But there was nothing. No, Maxim said, but I am freezing my nuts off. He was telling the truth, mostly. This place certainly was weird, felt eerie even, but he couldn't say he felt exactly afraid. More like that they just didn't belong there. They settled back into that eerie silence. The uh, cold seeped further into Maxim's spine from the hard ground beneath him. His eyes drifted shut. He was tired, and because of the heavy silence, he hoped maybe he could fall asleep long enough for Andre to give up on this. A short time later, maybe 15, 20 minutes, just as Maxim was drifting off to dreamland, Andre gasped, sitting up ramrod straight. I know where it is, he said, with far too much conviction for some folklore. Maxim sighed, propping up on his elbows. How? This is a big forest. You can't just suddenly know where magical treasure is. I do, he said, and crawled over to Maxim, leaning over him and looking at him with those intense black eyes. They showed me. What are you talking about? He really didn't like the look in Andre's eyes. They were wild, shooting back and forth erratically. The spirits! They showed me the spot! I was almost asleep when an image came into my mind. It's a ring of seven tall trees with a clearing in the middle. The trees mark the threshold. The treasure is underneath a moss-covered rock. Andre, are you serious right now? Listen to yourself. You're really telling me that spirits put an image in your mind of where the treasure is? Yes! He sounded a bit angry now. He still had that over-eager excitement in his eyes, his body tense and shaking. Ah... Maxim knew what was making him act like this. Are you on something right now? What did you take? <laughs> Andre's eyes flashed with more anger, his mouth twisting to a front. I didn't take anything. I know where the treasure is. I thought you weren't afraid. If you are, just fucking admit it. I'll go by myself. Now it was Maxim's turn to feel angry. 
I'm not afraid, Jesus. You should hear yourself. I just don't believe the story you're telling me. You just had a weird dream, but fine, fuck it, let's go. We're already out here, might as well. You and your dream spirits can lead the way. He jumped up with a huff rolling his sleeping bag and tightening the shoelaces for more hiking. This way, said an equally irritated Andre before turning sharply, setting off at a quick pace. Maxim had to hurry to keep up, trying to maintain his footing on uneven terrain. They walked down, down. Maxim noticed the land gradually flattening out. Now Maxim was having crazy thoughts. Maybe his cousin's sudden insanity was rubbing off on him. It all felt suddenly possible. What if Andre was right? He thought to himself. He did seem like he knew where he was going, walking with purpose, making turns without hesitation. How crazy would that be if they actually found it? Aunt Karina needed a car, his great-grandmother's heart medication was far too expensive, his mom and sister could use some money, maybe he could get a luxury vehicle, a vacation. As Maxim fantasized of island beaches and tropical getaways, Andre suddenly broke into a run, zigzagging through the trees. Andre! Maxim called, struggling to keep up with him. He didn't want to get left behind in these woods where he didn't know where he was. Andre, slow down! Ooh! Maxim crashed onto his back, nearly falling over with the force of the impact. Andre didn't notice, back straight, eyes forward, tension lining his body, staring at... Maxim pointed his flashlight forward. A ring of exactly seven trees. Oh my god. They seemed to form a perfect circle. A dirt clearing inside of them with rocks covered with moss. Holy shit, Maxim grinned, clapping Andre in the shoulder. I'll apologize now, this is certainly a real place. Maybe you were right. I told you, cousin, now we dig. Show me which rock. Andre hesitated before stepping into the clearing. He walked the wide circle, assessing the moss-covered rocks. As he made his way to the northern edge, his eyes lit up. Oh, this one. Maxim stood at the edge of the clearing now, the sense of dread of wrongness that came racing back. He suddenly didn't want to step into the ring of trees. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, he said quietly to himself, putting as much confidence as he could into his voice. He crossed the threshold. If it was possible, the air instantly got so much colder. The wrongness settled inside of him now like a weight. He approached Andre, ready to dig and see if it was all true. If it was, he thought about how he would have some serious reevaluating of his beliefs to do. Together, they used their spades to dig around the large rock, loosening it from its place in the cold dirt. Ready to flip? Maxim asked, getting a firm grip on the base of the rock. Maxim braced himself to heave, but a rustling noise to his right stopped him. It had been utterly silent since they arrived at Devil's Precipice. Maxim and Andre were the only beings that made noise for the past few hours, but now something else was with them. Some branches snapped. Some more leaves rustled. He looked up at Andre. His eyes were wide, mouth open, chest moving rapidly. Another crunch, followed by the sound of heavy breathing. <sighs> Maxim and Andre were both staring at each other, too terrified to look to the right and see what was with them. Maxim clung to the mantra he'd been using since his night began. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. He dared to turn his head. The force of his shock made him fall backwards, hands scrambling in the dirt, crawling as far away as possible. At the edge of the clearing, there appeared to be a bull. What? Huge black head, breath clouding in the cold air, dark sinister eyes, wicked horns gleaming under the moonlight. <sighs> 
The bull stepped forward on human legs. You aren't supposed to be here. You're going to die. This place is evil. These three thoughts ran through Maxim's head at lightning speed while they faced off with whatever this was. Maxim! Andre whispered, never taking his eyes off the creature. Run! Together they sprang up, adrenaline surging through their bodies as they ran for their lives to the other side of the clearing. Maxim could hear the bull growl, human feet pounding behind them. What would happen if it caught them? Could this be more than just their imagination? A spirit? He worried this thing could reach out and touch them. It was certainly touching the branches and twigs on the ground he kept hearing snap. Maxim envisioned himself impaled on those horns, bleeding out at the bottom of the ravine. He ran faster. When he and Andre crossed the threshold back, the circle of seven trees that seemed to make a border, a force slammed into his back, throwing him forward a few yards. He landed with a sickening thud, wrist throbbing as it made first impact, head hitting the ground. The bull caught them. They were dead. But then as he looked around, there was nothing. He looked to his left. Andre was laying on the ground. He wasn't moving. Andre, Maxim whispered, calling over. His forehead was cut, blood dripping down his face. Andre, he shook him gently, as possible, mindful of injuries. He wouldn't wake up. He shook him harder. Andre! Andre! He screamed. Andre's eyes suddenly flew open, took a deep, shuddering breath. I thought you were dead, Maxim said, voice shaking. Not dead, he grunted. Where is the... I don't know, this place is fucked up. We need to leave. Can you walk? Andre grunted and used Maxim for leverage to stand. Together they hobbled up a steep hill, stopping at the top to assess their surroundings. This wasn't right. The woods had changed. Instead of a steep ravine, they were surrounded by rolling hills and forests. Although it was dark, they could tell they were no longer in the same place. Instead of panicking, they decided to keep calm and ascend. The woods thinned out a bit at the top of the next hill. Maybe they could find their way back to the hiking trail that had gotten them there. They soon realized there was no hiking trail. They were lost. How did they get so turned around? It must have happened when they ran. They went the opposite direction of where they needed to be. I think I hear cars, Andre told him, nodding ahead at another hill. When they made it to the top of that hill, to their relief, they climbed a guardrail and stood on asphalt. Maxim's relief faded as fast as it came. A road sign stood a few feet away. Ployest, city border, Andre said, confusion marring his features. Ployest was 23 miles from the stretch of the forest they just walked into. How did they end up there? What the fuck? What do we do? Maxim asked, exhaustion, making him want to give up and lay on the road until dawn. Andre sighed, wiping a bit of blood off his forehead. We walk home. Hope a driver will have mercy on us and never speak of this again. That's it? That's it. Ah! What did they We don't know if they made it home. I'm going to assume they made it home. I'm going to assume they made it home. They were on the road. But just uh, this is part of that, mm, that what that legend of like a vortex or something, or people yeah, getting yeah, disoriented yeah. or or whatever. Yeah, I just thought it was a uh, not for me not the scariest, but interesting. Just an interesting mix of uh, folklore and somebody's claim. No, I like it. That was good. It made me. You know what I was thinking about uh, when they were around the seven trees and the moss. It made me think of Ozarks when huh, the what? the um oh my god the older lady they own the farm and they like had <laughs> yeah. that like clearing where they like burned like the poppy seeds or something yeah, or the poppy flowers it was their poppy flowers clearing and there yeah there was like a big clearing and that's where they end up burying somebody ah uh, yes As i was like oh yes that's she's such a good character on that show i know i don't know that actress's name off the top of my head but she's great mm-hmm. you have to drink once oh uh, yeah i flubbed a word or something right yeah you were trying to say romania you got mush mouthed on Romania, I don't know what you said instead. (laughs) I'll cross it off so you don't do it twice. I love that. I didn't know uh, what the rules would be. And and then when it said like uh, mispronunciations and mush mouth, I I thought of this first story. I was like, son of a bitch. I know. In my mind, I was like, please get it right. (laughs) Why can't it be a story set in like Iowa? (laughs) (laughs) 
Or yeah. what's that? Where's your hometown? Where'd you grow up? Ah, nice try. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I did have a sip arbitrarily just for fun. Just because, for fun? Yeah. It's hot in here. I know. It really is. And we and we got this air conditioner. And we've talked about this on some this of the other room. shows. It's something with this room. Oh, no. And we've had. Oh, no. Drink there. Yeah, but, but we've talked about it so many times. We've had it looked at. The whole building had their air duct system redone. And it this room is cursed. <laughs> this this particular room. The rest of the, the the rest of our offices, the other studio, totally fine. And it doesn't make any sense. Well, I understand it. You do? I do, I do. Um also those pies are delicious. They're mm-hmm. s'mores pies. Mm. Like get it, campfire tales. If yep. you live in the Coeur d'Alene, Spokane area, Birdie's pie shop. Yeah. So good. There's one in Hayden and one in Post Falls. They do sweet and savory. Hmm. Um the intake yeah is here the return the return it's like they're it, the air is coming out but it's not flowing back in because it's on the other side of this wall this particular room doesn't have vent pushing air in Mm-mm. oh that's fun mm-hmm. it just takes the air out oh that's awesome at least i think i mean look it because there's the mm-hmm. that's an in and then yep yep okay so here's some pictures okay yeah pictures are great um uh, this, this first picture is the edge of the forest near poyana tresty inside those thick woods is where devil's precipice is supposed to be really uh, pretty yeah okay really I would not, pretty. if you said like where is that i would not say romania Mm-hmm. could not find a picture anywhere lots of stories about this on lots of lists could not find a picture of the actual precipice okay maybe if i maybe if i was uh, on uh romania's google Mm. And doing it like in their language, maybe, but um, not on the English version. Uh, this next picture is a picture of the forest from inside the tree. So dense. Holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be nervous walking in there just during the day. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, there is always something creepy about forest, just in general. Yeah. Uh, for, especially like the type of forest. Oh, man. Go I ahead. almost said, no, uh, around where I grew up. Uh-huh. I'll just go ahead and say Riggins because I would have normally. Okay. But like just. I know. I'm holding it's, back. It's just, it's just my frame of reference where uh, it's more deserty and there's these pines, but there's not a lot of brush underneath the pines. And it's not as disturbing as like certain East Coast forests or certain European forests where there's so much brush. Right, right, right. Because you, you have better sight lines. Yeah, the. the uh... Not as many places for things to hide. The terrain where you grew up. Oh, I'm allowed to say it. The terrain in Reagans mm-hmm. is very similar to the terrain in Peru. Like if you looked at Machu Picchu. Weirdly similar. And then if you looked at Reagans, it's yep. like, well, they're the same. Yep. If you've taken a train to uh, Machu Picchu, you, you've basically been through the Sam River Canyon. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Though. And then this next one is just a picture of the forest at night. You know, always creepier at night. Yeah. That fog. Uh-huh. When the fog rolls no, in. thank you. Oh, man. Perfect setting for like a horror movie. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's that for the first story. You ready to? Uh, do you have any questions? Did I let out any yikeses? I don't think you did. Okay, I'm trying to be real cognizant here. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it rip. Well, I mean, it is it is a Friday, and we do have TLA after this, mm-hmm. so I'll be able to just like lie on the couch and be drunk. There you go. Okay. Uh, you ready to leave Romania's dark forest and head to the rare American castle for a couple encounter tales? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro! Fuck yeah, bro! We had to Sealy Castle and Tales of Murderous Satanists after a quick sponsor break. Thanks again for listening to our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. Is it okay that I want it to be Steely Castle and I want it to belong to Steely Dan? Steely Dan's Castle. No, just Steely Castle. <laughs> you ready for the devil? I'm ready. Bring it. Let me get my cross. <laughs> uh, now I'm picturing. Now I'm picturing the guys from Steely Dan dressed up as uh, like cartoonish Satanists. Ooh, that's and it's funny. a very funny concert kind of image in my mind. I wish you were wearing your Steely Dan T-shirt. I love that t-shirt. Uh, mystery has always surrounded North Carolina's Sealy Castle. 
also called Overlook Castle and Castle in the Sky. For one thing, it still isn't clear exactly why Seeley Castle was built, though there are theories. The idea for the castle probably emerged from, randomly, an inventory problem. The owner had a lot of unused stone on his hands in 1914 when castle construction began. Okay. The initial owner was Fred Loring Seeley, son-in-law of the fantastically wealthy Edwin Wiley Grove. E.W. Grove was a patent medicine tycoon, and he gifted 10 acres on the top of Sunset Mountain, called Overlook Park, to his daughter and son-in-law, Fred Seeley, to build a new home. Years before, Fred Seeley had overseen construction of the Grove Park Inn for his father-in-law. Uh, Grove Park Inn, now listed on the National Register of Historic Places, an opulent resort. Cool. Features a 40,000-square-foot subterranean spa. Excuse me? Hmm? And why have you not taken me to this place? <laughs> That's this, like my motherland. <laughs> uh, the, it actually makes a like, list of the best spas in the world. Well, what? Where, where is this? This is uh, near Asheville, North Carolina. North Carolina. Here we fucking come. <laughs> Um, the upscale hotel was built using native granite rock from the surrounding mountains. Seeley had insisted that only larger stones be used to minimize mortar joints. And when construction was complete, he was left with a massive quantity of unused smaller stones. Oh. So he used those stones to build a 20,000 foot square castle. Uh, or 20,000 square foot castle. <laughs> uh, now also on the National Register of Historic Places. Designing the whole thing himself. He built a remarkable structure, complete with Tudor mantle in the library, which came from an English manor, once owned by none other than Queen Victoria. Cool. In the great room, guests socialized under 32-foot ceilings and massive beams made from whole trees. A stone from the Tower of London and a piece of the Blarney Stone, both set into the fireplace. The lions on each side of the tunnel entrance came from a courthouse in Atlanta that was burned to the ground during Sherman's march to the sea during the Civil War. All this for a part-time residence. Must be nice. Overlook Castle served as a summer home for the Seelys, who spent most of their time in the Far East purchasing ingredients for Grove's patent medicine business. Oh, cool. When at the castle, the Seelys hosted impressive guests, including Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, Thomas Edison. When Seeley and his wife died, the castle was willed to Asheville Biltmore College, who used it from 1949 to 1961. When the college outgrew the grounds, the castle was sold to Jerry Sternberg, who planned to turn it into a museum, but then for reasons that don't seem to have made public... Changed his mind, wanted to do, uh, wanted nothing to do with the castle anymore, and it was sold to Overlook Ministries. They didn't stay long either, and then it became the possession of the Wells family. The head of the family, Lauren W. Wells, died in 2018. Now the rumor is that Omni Hotels and Resorts, owners of the Grove Park Inn, are planning to purchase Seeley Castle if they haven't already done so. A lot of rumors surrounding Seeley Castle, and the ones uh, I, I've reported have been the most innocent. Uh, the least innocent is that Seeley Castle has been the meeting point for an underground devil and demon-worshipping cult for decades. Not a satanic headquarters in the sense of those who just reject religion. No, but people who actively worship dark entities. Wealthy, powerful, depraved people hosting orgies that include animals and children. All kinds of crazy rumors. People who have been making human sacrifices in the mountains of North Carolina for roughly, possibly even a century now. What? Get the fuck out of here. Time now for two tales. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of lore online. Time now for two tales of demons and disappearances in North Carolina. Our first story comes from a woman named Pamela Shurfert. Shurfert. She wrote a report in the 90s entitled Satanism Today, in which she went into detail about the goings-on in Seeley Castle. She would say Seeley Castle has long reputed to be a location for the satanic rituals of the elite and powerful. And Pam also wrote about a young girl named Cindy. She claims that in 1992, out in the woodlands north of Asheville, Cindy lived with her mother in a trailer. They were not wealthy people, but hardworking and decent, a single mom and her one child. 
and the one child was still a virgin, a pretty 17-year-old in Asheville, and that's what ended up marking her for human sacrifice by a local cult. Rather than kidnap her right away, they harassed her for months first, hoping to make everyone think Cindy was crazy. A troubled girl who ran away and disappeared like troubled girls sometimes do. The harassment began with phone calls. Calls started coming in around the clock. Mysterious males on the other end of the line, moaning, chanting unintelligible words, laughing before hanging up. Occasionally, they'd say things like, we know what you did, Cindy. Cindy's mom wanted to know who or what Cindy had gotten mixed up with. It was hard for her to believe that these calls were just completely random. A few weeks later, Cindy started complaining to her mom that she was being followed by numerous people. Oh, shit. She couldn't identify them. It was never the same person for long, but she was certain she was being monitored. Then her social life unraveled as mysterious people started calling and harassing her friends, frightening them into cutting off contact with Cindy, calling and saying things like, Cindy isn't who you think she is. Cindy's going to get you hurt before hanging up. Cindy started to lose sleep, started to lose weight as well. Her appetite fading, she fell further and further into a growing depression. She had no idea why she was being harassed. She was being blamed by her friends for what was happening. Her mom seemed to blame her too. Through no fault of her own, she'd become a pariah. She couldn't stop wondering who was behind it all. When would it end? She was getting paranoid now. Was one of her friends behind it? Someone from church? She couldn't think of any real enemies. It was maddening. Soon her church also abandoned her and her mother. Oh, no. Her, her harassers began calling their pastor, making up all kinds of lies about sending her character. She was a whore, a thief, a liar, a devil in the church. Then someone stole some collection money. Then someone vandalized the pulpit. Callers blamed Cindy. Then the pastor's car tires were slashed. Anonymous callers again point the finger at Cindy. The pastor didn't outright demand that Cindy and her mom stop coming to services, but it was now clear they were no longer welcome. Cindy fell further into depression. Cindy's mother now finally turned to the police. She called them a few times before, but now she demanded an investigation who was harassing her daughter. The police generally seemed to want to help, but when they looked at phone records, the calls had come in from payphones. And other than the calls, there wasn't a lot to investigate. Cindy and her mom were at their wit's end. Then the power to their trailer started getting cut off. Oh, boy. It would go out almost every night, leaving them completely in the dark. Oh, no thank you. Cindy's mom put calls into the utility company, and they said the fault was not on their end. She had a friend who worked as an electrician come by and look things over. He couldn't find anything wrong. Things continued to escalate. Now Cindy's phone seems to have been tapped. She began claiming whenever she received a phone call, it would be interrupted around halfway through by a low, deep voice saying, Kill. 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 What? It only happened when she answered, never when her mom used the phone, which added to the tension that already existed. Her mom continued to ask questions she couldn't answer. A friend of the family, worried for sending her mom, now stayed the night. But then the following morning, Cindy received a call, and that scarily deep voice told her that the family friend had 24 hours to leave that trailer or else. Oh my God. Now they, they knew they were being watched. <sighs> and the friend, afraid for her life, left the two women to once again fend for themselves. Starting the following night, whoever was harassing them, now they believed they were being targeted by a satanic cult they'd heard about, took to making scratching sounds on the exterior of the trailer at night from multiple locations. Scratching sounds all over. They began sleeping in the same bed. <coughs> too terrified to go out and investigate. What just fucking fell over? What was no that? No idea. Oh my God, maybe a box in the corner. That's weird. Where was that box? I don't know. Well, I have to drink anyways because I screamed, but fuck it. I need it. Starting the following night, 
whoever was harassing them. Now they believed they were being targeted by a satanic cult they'd heard about, took to making the scratching sounds. From multiple locations simultaneously, they began sleeping in the same bed, terrified to go outside and investigate. They had no idea how many, how strong they were, or if they were carrying weapons. Obviously, for them to be doing this in the first place, they were not your average sound-minded individuals. They were terrified. And what if even worse, they were to go outside and find no one, no human anyway, making the sounds. The subsequent mornings, when they looked around for footprints, they could never find any. Shortly after this, Cindy almost died. She complained of being dizzy one evening and then fainted. Her mom then complained of feeling off, stumbled outside. The air didn't smell right inside the trailer. Oh, no. It was a gas leak. The police would investigate, and they determined that the gas line had, in fact, been tampered with. But by who? Their investigation turned up nothing. Who cares? Get the fuck out of there. They had nowhere to go. A week later, Cindy's mom woke up to hear her daughter's muffled screams. She ran outside, saw her daughter being pushed into a car. She called the police but wasn't able to get the license plate. Again, they didn't have much to go on, and a note had been left, supposedly written by Cindy, explaining that she'd met a boy, was leaving Asheville forever, and didn't want her mom to follow. It looked like it had been written in Cindy's handwriting, almost. Cindy would turn back ho- up back home with an incredible tale. She said she'd woken up in her bed to two or three men standing to I'm sorry to two masked men standing above her one threw a gloved hand over her mouth while the other told her if she screamed her mother was as good as dead her hands were tied a gag was then placed in her mouth they carried her outside and then she did try and scream as they opened the trunk of the car and started to place her inside when the trunk finally opened after driving for maybe 10 minutes maybe half an hour it was so hard to tell she could see the dark outline of what she thought looked like Sealy Castle then she was being led, dragged really through a damp tunnel, walking around 10 minutes or so before reaching some stairs. Some sharp rocks on the stairs cut and stung Cindy's feet as she was marched up to a heavy wooden door with peculiar engravings on it. Then she was carried into a large, dimly lit room. Animal carcasses had been turned into a grotesque form of decoration. There was what even appeared to be a row of dead infants chained to the <gasps> walls in the shape of a cross. She felt the bile rise up from her stomach, trying to swallow the vomit that was starting to come through the gag. One of the men began to laugh at her. She could now see that there were just the two men with her, but she could hear muffled conversation coming from outside the room. The two masked men took her to a large black stone table in the middle of the room, began tying her ankles and her wrists to the edge. The rope bit into her skin, then she fainted from the stress. When she came round, there was no one else in the room, but there was some blood between her legs. (gasps) She didn't know if it was hers or not. And then she saw a shadow rise up from behind what looked like some sort of altar, the shape of a man, but she knew immediately it was not a man. The shadow floated to the side of where she was tied down. Suddenly, it hovered directly above her, slowly descending until the cold, dark presence was just inches from her face. And then it seemed to descend inside of her, and she passed out again. When she awoke, she was locked in a room somewhere. Food had been left on the floor, a bucket for her to go to the bathroom. Then each night, for six more nights, she was taken back and tied down to that stone table again. Each night, she saw the shadow, and it entered her. Then she woke up on the stone table and was not tied down, and she ran. She kept waiting for someone to chase her, but they never did. She ran and ran back down the stairs and down the tunnel. She ran past Sealy Castle, ended up catching a ride with a woman driving home from work who took her home. Her mother was overjoyed. They called the police. No one believed them. By this point, everyone thought Cindy was crazy. A few weeks later, the girl who still thought she was a virgin was pregnant. (gasps) She dropped out of school. Then a week or so before she was due, she disappeared forever. And that is the end of the first of the two Sealy Castle devil worship related encounter stories. Oh my god. Another person would write about her experiences with Sealy Castle in an online journal. 
When researchers looking for stories of encounters came across it, they managed to save it only for a few days before the site, or only a few days before the site full of similar Sealy-related tales was taken offline. As a child, Samantha was never allowed to go anywhere near Sealy Castle alone. Whenever she asked her dad why she couldn't go out and hang out with her friends or ride her bike through a big park near it, he would only say ominously, his face set in a grim smile, they'd get you. Samantha assumed her dad was just afraid of her getting abducted, the same way many parents worry that no matter where their kids, especially their daughters, go, that could happen to them. She figured her he'd seen too many reports of kids being pulled into vans, teenage girls never being heard from again, just being paranoid. That was until she went back to Asheville in her 20s in the mid-2000s for what was supposed to be a normal Thanksgiving weekend. Her boyfriend, Trey, came with, and they looked forward to a relaxing time. Asheville really is beautiful in the fall, the trees turning deep yellow and fiery red. But even though the scenery is beautiful, things with Samantha's family could be chaotic. She loved them all individually. But when you got them together, her dad, Uncle Bo, and his wife, her mom, uh, his wife, Uncle Bo's wife, just loved to tell Samantha's mom how to do even the most basic of kitchen tasks. It could be a recipe for disaster. It was Wednesday morning when another family fight broke out. On Wednesday afternoon, Samantha's family was on the verge of yet another explosive fight. Uncle Bo's wife, Linda, was complaining about how she couldn't understand why they hadn't made the kitchen bigger when they remodeled. The contractor had clearly messed up this and that. Her mom should have taken her recommendation for an obviously better contractor. One look at Samantha's mother's face confirmed this was not the place to be. Let's get out of here, Samantha whispered to Trey. Louder, she said to her mother, Hey, we only got a few more days, so I'm going to take Trey to see Parkway in Sealy Castle. Get a little sightseeing done before we're all, we're all in food comas. Her mother perked up before nodding. You know we wish you'd stay away from that area. I can't stop you. If you're going to go, please be careful. Samantha grabbed her scarf and laughed. I'm not going to be shoved into some van by a random dude. I'm not a kid anymore. You and Dad don't have to worry. I have Trey with me. Samantha, her mother said suddenly, wait. She took a deep breath. Her voice was suddenly very serious. Really, be careful. They don't just take kids. Samantha stopped in her tracks. What did that mean? Why did her mom have such a strange, fearful look in her eyes? For some reason, it made her think about a time in her childhood around when she was uh, maybe 10 or 12. She'd wake up after being put to bed and hear the sound of the phone ringing and then her mom's low, frightened voice saying, Don't call her anymore. You can't have her. Why was she just remembering that now? At the door, Trey called. You coming? Samantha took one last look at her mom and left. As they crossed the front lawn, Samantha was about to tell Trey about the weirdness with her mom when they ran into Uncle Bo back from a grocery run. From what he was holding, looked like his grocery run had been more about beer than groceries, Samantha thought with a grin. Hey, Uncle Bo. Where are you kids heading? Uncle Bo asked. Getting out of the fray? Just going to the parkway, Trey said. Any recommendations? Jesus, the parkway? Really? Be careful out there, Uncle Bo said, shaking his head. Even though she still felt chills from the conversation in the kitchen, Samantha rolled her eyes. Mom already gave us the whole speech. Your mom's right to worry, Uncle Bo frowned. I've seen some things on parkway that I'll never forget. Mile marker 417, hiked to the waterway and then up to the stream about 50 yards. In the middle of the stream on a rock was a stack of rocks, the man-made kind, with thin, sharpened rock leaning up against the rock stack. The sharp edge was red. In front of this was what looked like an organ. It rained the night before, so it had to have been fresh. We're talking minutes before. I got out of there as fast as I could. <laughs> so what? Trey laughed nervously. Someone fishing, cleaned a trout, left the remains? Uncle Bo wasn't laughing. Yeah, because trout organs, or because trout have organs the size of my fist, huh? To illustrate, he held up a meaty hand. Involuntarily, Samantha shivered. All right, we got to get going, she said quickly, and then hustle traded their car. When she didn't try to use the pass, uh, when she tried to use the passenger door handle, it didn't move. Sticks, remember? Trey said, "Just climbing on my side. I keep meaning to get looked at." 
She finally dropped into her seat after dramatic and irritated ground or uh, an irritated uh, frown. Uh, she looked at him. Sorry, she said, I'm not mad at you. I don't know why everyone's being so weird. I got to be at this Thanksgiving thing or it's got to be this Thanksgiving thing. We're good at the eating part. Not so good at the hanging out together part. It's fine, Trace uh, shrugged, turning onto the road from the driveway. My family's a thousand times worse. Samantha smiled. Trey was so supportive, even if she really knew that his family wasn't a thousand times worse. He'd grown up in Arizona, surrounded by miles of sun-baked desert with a wholesome set of brothers and sisters. It had made him capable, a go-with-the-flow kind of guy who loved hiking and never overreacted to unexpected events. Samantha, on the other hand, felt like the mountains of North Carolina had done something to her. When she closed her eyes at night, she could still feel them pressing in on her, rising far above, the darkness and the sounds of the forest filling her head. It had made her family paranoid, small-minded, she was sure of that. Beautiful as the mountains were, there was something eerie about them. Maybe that fear got internalized. At least that was one explanation. They drove up the parkway and Trey parked the car. The plan was to take a hike and then see Seely's castle as they drove home. As they descended onto the trail, something caught Samantha's eye. It was a piece of paper stuck to a nearby tree. Trey in front of her kept going, but she stopped to grab it. It was simple, loose leaf, but the words printed on it chilled her. Fallen, fallen in Babylon. In one hour, her judgment has come. What the hell was this? Her judgment? Whose judgment? Samantha looked around. The note looked fresh. It was only secured by some tape, and since it was a windy day, it probably hadn't been there more than a few minutes. What was going on? Then she had another memory. This one happened when she was about 13. Her parents had hated to leave her alone for the night, but Uncle Bo was having surgery, and they wanted to be there for him. And Samantha had school in the morning. She'd assured them that she'd be fine. She'd lock the doors. But that night, as soon as she got into bed, the phone rang. And this time, her mother hadn't been there to pick it up. She'd crept down the hall, picked up the phone. Maybe she reassured herself it was her parents calling to check in. Hello? There was silence on the other end. Then a voice said, Samantha, at last. She looked around, panicked. Who are you? You will meet us soon. Meet them soon? She hugged herself in that nightgown. And before she could say anything else, the voice on the phone was joined by another voice, then another, a chorus of voices chanting, Fallen will be their churches. Fallen will be their homes, their families. Fallen will be their false books and useless prayers. Risen will be the dark prince fed on our sacrifices. Risen will be the prince's castle. Risen will be the end of days. She'd slammed the phone down, crawled into bed, trembling. It had been a prank call. It had to be. But even if it was, she swore that she could feel the presence of something lurking outside her house. Something waiting for her to come outside. Samantha! Samantha! She almost screamed, but it was only Trey. Coming back on the trail. Where'd you go? What's going on? I want to get out of here, she said quickly. I just want to go. I don't feel safe here. Sorry. No, no, it's no problem. Trey was looking at her like she might be crazy, but Samantha was too agitated to care. They tromped back up the short length of trail they'd followed, found the car. They approached from the driver's side, and she climbed over the divider into the passenger side. Once they were back on the road, she started to feel better. Except, was was it her imagination, or were people watching them from their cars? The road. It seemed like everyone's eyes were fixed on Samantha in the passenger seat. Samantha touched her face to make sure her nose wasn't bleeding. No, she was fine. When they passed people on the street, pedestrians recoiled, their expressions turning terrified. What the fuck is going on? Is it just me, Trace said, or is everyone looking at us? Yeah, I know. Samantha's brow furled with concern. Then a large structure caught her eye. We're passing Seely's castle, she said, if you want to look at it. I'm good with just glimpsing it from the road, Trace said. They slowed to a crawl and looked. It was the same beautiful castle it had always been, and the sight reassured her that beautiful things could exist in her town, that she had fond memories, too, even with the weird and disturbing ones. 
Then out of the corner of her eye, she glimpsed a hooded figure slipping around the back of the castle. Oh my god. She gasped. Trey turned to her, concerned. What? But a car was honking behind them now and Trey had to keep moving. Pedestrians still staring at them. What the fuck was going on? Trey floored it. They sped home. Samantha checking the rearview mirror behind her to make sure no one was following them. No one seemed to be. Finally, they were at home with Samantha's family standing in the front yard looking at Samantha's uh, mom's garden. When the car pulled up, they all looked up and instantly their expressions turned horrified. Samantha's mom screamed and Samantha's dad got a grim expression on his face like his worst nightmare just showing up to be true. Uncle Bo's mouth quivered. Aunt Linda pressed a hand to her chest. Samantha ran up to them. What? What is going on? Samantha's mom raised a trembling hand and Samantha turned around. On the passenger side of the car, the side she hadn't used because it was stuck, was an enormous painted pentagram. <gasps> Below it, the same terrifying sentence. Samantha, you will meet us soon. Samantha and Trey and her family's urging left town that same day. They got a rental car, spent the night on the road, too frightened to do anything but keep driving. Samantha posted her one and only post that she now needed to move again. She got inspired to post her account above about all this because a phone call she received in Gainesville, Florida, where she was going to school after all this had occurred. When she answered, she heard laughter at first and then, Hi, Samantha. Do you think you can hide from us? The time is almost at hand. You will make him so happy. Fallen will be their churches. Fallen will be their homes, their families. Fallen will be their false books and useless prayers. Risen will be the dark prince fed on our sacrifices. Risen will be the prince's castle. Risen will be the end of days. Die! And that's when we know about... That's all we know about Samantha's story. I fucking hate you. Hold on, I have to take two drinks. Uh, I added the word die. That was not part of the story. But everything else was. It just looked like the perfect time to maybe jump you out of your chair. Okay, you've got a lot of drinking. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, you mushmouthed North Carolina. You mushmouthed a last name. Yeah. I gave two get the fucks out. You mushed mouth six other times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink so much that you can't uh, finish the story and you made me jump. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll cross them off. How many more stories do you have? Oh, that, no, that's it for my okay. stories. Okay, good. I was getting nervous because I know it's in my oh, stories. And I, I was like, pic- oh, shit. I have pictures. I'm just going to fill up my drink. Okay. Okay. Um, so the pictures here. Um... Oh, yeah, I have some interesting pictures here. Uh, this first one. Okay. Aerial view of Sealy Castle. Oh, wow. I know I said Sealy's at one time. It's just Sealy, S-E-E-L-Y. Okay. So that's obviously an old photo, black and white. Another old pic of the castle. It's really, really big. <laughs> yes, really big, really pretty. Does not look like it should be in America. A more recent okay. aerial view. You can see, like, all the woods around it. I mean, it's a crazy piece of property. I know. Okay, go ahead. Uh, one final pick of Sealy Castle. How did they drive by it? Uh, I think if you pulled out further, you can see like more of a, of a road that goes near it. Okay. And it's pretty big, you know, like there, I think there might be even a, a road behind it too. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah. So one final pick of the castle. It's just so pretty. Just cool. Kind of closer, closer up, uh, picture there. I can't believe no one owns that right now. Well, somebody does. It's either well, in that I mean, trust. I can't believe it's not being used. They, yeah, they think maybe because COVID slowed it down, but that, that what, Omni, yeah. you know, kind of hotel resort is, yeah, is getting yeah. it. Um, and then this last picture, I was just looking for Asheville area devil worshippers. This is interesting. This is 35-year-old Pazuzu Alag... I mean, Algarod. Pazuzu Ila Algard. 
Algarad. Yeah, and 24-year-old oh, Amber, Amber Nicole Birch. Algarad? Yeah, it's like a name that no one ever says. This is, um, I'll explain here. They, they were both charged for murder after killing two people in a devil-worshipping sacrifice. Jesus Christ. This is a crazy story. Court documents allege that Algarad and Birch regularly performed what they believed were satanic rituals and animal sacrifices at a house where bodies were found. He led a cult with an untold number of followers. According to authorities... How the, who the fuck is following him? Right? Uh, you can say that about so many of these people. Uh, according to authorities, Algarad, uh, Algarad changed his name from John Lawson in 2002. Uh, Pazuzu is the name of a demon, his first name. Pazuzu Algarad found dead in his cell at Central Prison in Raleigh, 4.20 a.m. in 2015, a year after being arrested. An autopsy would later say he died from severe blood loss caused by a deep wound to a major blood vessel in his left arm at the pit of the elbow. His death was ruled a suicide, and authorities oh. said he had used something they didn't specify, maybe something they didn't know to cut himself. He had filed his teeth into points, and there are rumors he bit into his own arm Ew. and ripped his, you know, yeah, arm yeah, apart I get there it, I get to, it, I to get bleed it. out. Amber Nicole Birch, one of his Yikes. followers in the small satanic cult he led, pled guilty to murder. But they sacrificed at least two people. I let out a yikes. You owe a drink. <laughs> okay. And that, that's all my stories. hi yi yi Thank God no one put, oh my gosh, on there. Or ay yi yi Or, um, wait, what's the other thing? Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> I say that a lot. Now, now I'm hyper aware of the things I say. Now I figured you'd have some more spirit entity-based tales. So I thought that was kind of fun and big episode to put in the middle, like where, I mean, there's there's elements like scratching sounds, who knows what's going on. No, that's that's fucking nuts. <laughs> but just some nutty stories. When you said it was owned at one point by the Wells family, mm-hmm. like Wells Fargo? Uh, I don't think so. Who are those people? I don't who, know. Who's who the, the Wells, Wells family? I don't know who the Wells Fargo is. That pie Fargo is delicious, be. just FYI. Well, Wells, Wells Fargo came, it has uh, that name has goes back to the pony express i think it does but, well that doesn't mean that they can't still exist the, no, the wells family right but i think it might have been like it might have been locations like between wells and fargo oh i is, see is where I see. is where like part of the trip like uh route where that name came from i might i'm pulling that out of my ass i actually did look into it one time just because i love weird trivia but i can't remember it right you do now. you do it is a wee bit toasty i got cold all of a sudden during that story which is interesting you did? Mm-hmm. Hmm. well great <laughs> now I'm nervous. Uh, all right. Well, are you ready to get away from devil worshippers? Uh, sure. Why are you so hesitant? I don't know. It just felt good to be talking about that. Okay. Is <laughs> you a devil worshipper? No, no. I just being weird. Right. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get away from it. Okay. Um, I left you a new trailer, and oh, you yeah. actually have trailer. You actually have. I know. Three. I have three of them. So I got three little squishies, and I got a fresh one. Okay. So I'll take out a bag away from the microphone, so people don't have to hear it. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. you. Give her a sniff. How good is it? Ooh, really good. Nice and fresh. Mm-hmm. Mm, fresh, fresh. Layla. And and that same, uh, like Aww. divot in her yeah, head. She's, she's deformed, but, but just the way they get smushed up. It's because the it's because the circumference of the head is too big for the width of the little bag it comes in. I know, but the look at show the other ones because. Mm-hmm. Now we, now we really have a trailer, and their little divots went away. Oh, yep. so cute. I think that might be your last fresh trailer. Oh, man. I'll get I know. some more. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can find them. Are, yeah. you, are you ready, Spaghetti? I am ready. Okay. So I think this is so great. We have a story from an embalmer. 
Oh. And it took me back to our This Looks Awesome viewing party. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a Patreon feature where we do these, like, uh, we watch a movie and the fans watch the with autopsy us. Autopsy of Jane Doe. And it made me think of the Autopsy of Jane Doe. You are correct. Brian okay. Cox. And uh, hold on. Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to say Emilio Estevez, even though I know that's not right. I guess from the Young Guns. Yeah. <laughs> or Enrique Iglesias, who's a Latin singer that has nothing to do with horror movies. Okay. I knew my, it was an E word. <laughs> my eyes are really dry. Weird. It's so smoky around here with the fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's rough. Um, okay. I already know the answer to this question, but maybe the fans are interested. Just when you die, yeah. do you want to be buried or um, cremated? I've gone back and forth. I know I told oh. you I want to be buried, and I still think I do. You do? Yeah. I still think I, I like um, – I like – most of the people in my family are buried, and I like – My family, too, is all buried. Yeah, and they're all uh, – so, well, not all, but so many of them are in the same cemetery in Riggins. Boom. Drink. Hard to not say that with – and, and, I, and I, it's comforting to be able to go there and kind of say hi to everybody. Okay, but you could be cremated and then buried there. Mm. So, you know – Okay, I have irrational fears True. about death. Yeah, I'm I, currently because death is not looming around the corner for me that I know of. Yeah, I'm not afraid to die. I have right. zero regrets in my life. I don't have any like grudges or anything that I need to clear up. Like I feel like I could die today with a very clear, clean conscience and be happy with my life and all of that. Yeah, what freaks me out, and they play on this in horror movies, so I'm sure that this is where I got it. That you're, they think you're dead. But you're not. And then you wake up. And then you wake up and you're buried alive or you're going into the incinerator and you feel it all. Like how I don't know how it's possible to know you're dying and not like have a little bit of that fear. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I would not. I don't, I don't know. Well, I've never thought of that. Well, you're welcome. Now you will not be able to not <laughs> think about it. Okay. Well, let's dive into our first story. It's uh, anonymous slash slash. Good thing I'm allowed to mush oh, mouth. Boy. I'm allowed. It's not on my list. Okay. Uh, slash uh, uh, a pen name. So this is a story from Mortician Mary. A pseudonym. I know. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I'm a short time listener to Scare to Death in the sense that I have recently found your podcast in the last month, but have been binge watching on YouTube when I'm home and binge listening when I'm at work. The spoop factor is usually at an all-time high when I'm listening at work because I work at a funeral home as an embalmer. (laughs) Right? That's a brave choice, my friend. That is no thanks. Because of the sensitive nature of the business and the fact that the funeral industry is rather tight-knit, I'll leave my name and place of employment anonymous. I was encouraged to share my story as I was listening to an episode with my Bluetooth headphones and embalming a loved one at the same time. During the episode I was listening to, you and Dan were discussing how working in a mortuary would be hella creepy and how it must smell really bad. A few episodes later, I heard that you had a funeral director reach out and explain the actuality of the job. As I am licensed in both funeral directing and embalming, I predominantly stay in the prep room, a.k.a. the embalming room. To give you some context, my job duties include picking up descendants from their place of death, i.e. residents, hospital, medical examiners, office etc. Once back at the funeral home, we either embalm the loved one in place uh, and then place them in a climate... Sorry. Once back at the funeral home, we either embalm the loved one or place them in a climate controlled facility, refrigeration. Mm. If there are going to be services, we prepare the person by dressing them, doing their hair and makeup and putting them into the casket. If their family requests cremation, we place them in appropriate cremation containers and transport to the crematory. 
This story begins when I was doing my apprenticeship. I was working at a funeral home that operated 24-7, 365. I was on the night shift, which meant if we were all caught up with work, with if we were all caught up with our work, and it was an uneventful night, we could rest our eyes. There are a couple different <laughs> rooms around the funeral home with a twin-size oh, bed for overnight stays. <sighs> Two of these rooms were attached to the break room. This sleep room is about the size of a large walk-in closet with only a bed, desk, and box fan. The door to this room is heavy and would close automatically if not wedged open with a doorstop. It's worth mentioning this because I am terrified, all caps, bold, underlined, of the dark, and would always rest with the door wedged open. Okay. The lady that worked with me at night would sleep in the other dorm by the break room with her door closed. However, she would not let me leave the break room light on. There were two settings to the light, but she said that the light coming in from the crack in the bottom of her door kept her awake. I explained to her my fear of the dark, and she did not give a shit. Luckily, there were a few vending machines that gave off light, so I wasn't totally left in the dark. I had been working the night shift for about two months by now and hadn't experienced anything out of the norm. Then one night, I finished my dinner and decided to rest up while I had the chance before we received any first calls. A first call is when we are notified that a death has occurred and the family wants to use our services. I did my nightly ritual of filling up my water bottle, turning the volume up on the phone, wedging the doorstop as hard as I can into the bottom of the door, and trying my best to drift to sleep. I am somewhat of a heavy sleeper normally, but when I rest at work, I notice that I tend to sleep lighter. I'm sure it's my body's way of being ready in case I need to spring into action. This particular night, I was sleeping rather hard when I was suddenly awoken. It all happened so quickly, but I will break it down the best way I know how. I woke up, not because of the phone ringing or a noise I couldn't explain. I had the feeling that something just wasn't right. I had only had my eyes open for a couple of seconds when suddenly the door began to close. Confused as to why I was even awake and petrified at the impending darkness that was about to consume me, I jumped up as fast as humanly possible to catch the door before total darkness. Spooked and still only half alert, I stood in silence for about 30 seconds trying to comprehend it all. Running through all of the logical reasons, I went down a checklist. Maybe the doorstop isn't strong enough. It had been strong enough all those other countless nights before... Maybe the door malfunctioned. I stop in my tracks, thoughtless, speechless, shocked. The door was in the middle of the break room. How the fuck... The doorstop was in the middle of the break room. How the fuck do you explain that? How do I rationalize that? I shook it off and told myself, forget it. Try and get some rest before we get a first call. Not knowing what time it was, I retrieved the doorstop, used all my body weight to wedge the doorstop back into the door, and then crawled back into bed. Surprisingly, I slept just fine for the rest of my shift. This happened three nights in a row. Each night, the fear level and uneasy feeling grew more intense. The door stopped appearing, the door stopped appearing in the same spot each night. How and why was this happening? I was off for the next two days and experienced nothing abnormal. The next night, I reported to work as scheduled. When you have a unique job, you learn to leave certain emotions at the front door and go into work mode. I tried to push any memory or icky feelings about the past few nights down and be professional. I also didn't want anyone to think I was doing drugs. (laughs) At the time, I did partake in some schmokin' of the ganj, but never before work. 
I deemed it disrespectful to be high in an environment where such respect and care needed to be taken. Mm -hmm. And if we're being completely honest, you can bet your sweet ass I'd probably be hella paranoid. Getting fired for failing a drug test could do some serious damage in an industry where everyone knows everyone. Another eventful night, for now. I got my water, wedged the doorstop tight, and laid down to rest, just like the nights before. Breathe, was my first thought. Am I awake? Was my next thought. Can you open your eyes? I can't. I never had experienced anything like this before. I began to panic. My chest felt heavy. My eyelids feel even heavier. Now I know what the descendants feel like when we use super glue to close their eyes and lips for the last time. I try to scream for help. Nothing. Is the door closing? I can't see. It's so dark and it feels like it's only getting darker. This weight on my chest as I lay on my back continues to multiply as the seconds go on. My eyes spring open. To my surprise, the door is still open and there's light from the vending machine coming in. Shortly after, I'm able to breathe again. I make an embarrassing groan involuntarily and sit up in bed. What the fuck just happened? I've heard of sleep paralysis before. Surely this was something similar. Saying that I was spooked was an understatement, but shortly after, we, re we received a first call and soon I was preoccupied by work. I kept this to myself for a couple of weeks. An internship is one long job interview, so I couldn't have anyone thinking I was a big dingus. About three weeks later, my supervisor pulled me into his office to inform me he needed me to cover, cover the other shift and I would be working with someone else on the night shift. I begged him, please, when can I come back to working during the day? He had been looking at the schedule pulled up on his computer when I said this. In response, he tilted his head down and looked at me beyond his glasses and said, look, you should be afraid of the living, not the dead. I sat in my chair, puzzled because I hadn't mentioned anything about anything spooky. How did he know that's why I wanted to go to the day shift? I sat there, silently trying to come up with a legitimate excuse for him to move me to a different shift, and that's when he said it. He pushed the glasses back up on the bridge of his nose and looked back at the computer. Except for that midget, you gotta watch out for him. He'll come sit on your chest and hold your eyelids down while you sleep. What? I was speechless. Without speech, I tell you. Tears began to open my eyes as he said this. How could he possibly know what had happened to me that night? I had so many questions, but I almost didn't want to know. He went on to tell me that before he was a supervisor, he worked the night shift for 15 years. He knows all about the things that go bump in the night around there. He had too many stories to count, and I could see he was physically uncomfortable just talking about it. I worked the night shift for two more months, and I only experienced things when I would sleep on my back. Needless to say, I am now a side sleeper. <laughs> Eventually, I finished my apprenticeship and received both my license, both of my licenses, and got hired by another firm. But the only position available was the night shift. Mortician Mary. Ah, uh, that's a good one. It is a good one. That that thing about sleep paralysis. Yes. I mean, if um, if that was the crux of the story, you know, like then I then I would think like, well, maybe it could be sleep paralysis. People's imaginations getting away with them in that same place, even if it's multiple people. Right. But the door stop going away and showing up in the same place three nights in a row, that would read as like prank. Right, right, right. But when nobody reveals that prank to her, it's like, what kind of maniac? No. And just like comes in when, you, when they're not even supposed to be in the middle of the night to then risk being caught. Like, what are you doing here? Right. To move a doorstop. That's such a very specific thing at a weird time. Like, no one's doing that. And the, 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 
the thing about the chest and the eyelids. I mean, come on. Yeah, that detail that he would know with the eyelids, that's very unusual. Very, very unusual. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for another one? I am. Okay. I'm so hot. Are you hot? Well, I don't have a sweatshirt on, so no. But I have on tiny little shorts. Oh. But I I'm also okay. have, a, I have a heavy blanket on. I had to take my fuzzy socks off. You might want to get rid of your blanket. Well, I have on tiny little shorts. And I, um, mm, when you sit, you can see some stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably okay, not a good idea. But maybe I'll just like, whew, I'll let my calves out. Do you know one time <laughs> I, I flashed Joe my hoo-ha in this room? Oh, yeah. Because that camera, yeah. I didn't know it was on. And I was sitting here in a skirt with like my legs in a certain kind of position. Not not spread eagle like this. Yeah. Which is, I was like. Not quite basic in sync. <laughs> oh, look, that's on the drinking rules. <laughs> it Flash is? Joe your hoo-ha. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Got it. Take a sip. I listen well. All right. Um, okay. So re- I was mentioning this when we were previewing the stories about this story being from Travis from the White Vault. Yes. So we were just like emailing back and forth, kind of doing like some shop talk about a variety of things. And then he said, hey, would it be okay if I sent in I, my story? I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And while he's a great writer for that show and produces like this beautiful show, I was a little bit nervous of like, is this going to be any good? And then I would feel obligated to use it. Sure. It is so good. Great. And in, and if it is a testament to what his show is like, oh, it's like nice. a, a great advertisement. Um, where are you at with aliens these days? How are you feeling I'm, about those guys? I'm, I'm a still a believer. You're a believer? Mm, I'm a believer of the aliens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah, me too. I was hoping that you would be like, nah, I've got some proof. They're not real. No, I think like uh, even if even if they discredited like various photos mm-hmm. and things, and like or somebody thought there was like solid evidence of a sighting, and then they disproved that. To me, aliens specifically always just goes back to numbers, mm-hmm. and to think that out of the entire universe, we're the one planet that is you know soup, like 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 evolved to the point we are, and no one's evolved further. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just think there's got to be something else out there. Weren't there like photos recently released? Yeah, a lot of uh, declassified photos mm-hmm. released by the. I mean, you know who's not looking at those? Yeah, you. Me. Well, I will say it's not like any of them are. I always like use the same reference, but it's not like any of them are like Independence Day, where it's like, like right, some right. big detailed ship. I mean, this isn't like Star Wars. You're like, oh my god! But closing it. But uh, but why was it classified? That's what kills me. Yeah. I'm like, why were you keeping it from people? There's military reasons. It could be, you know, like uh, foreign technology, like some kind of uh, adversary, like their military tech, maybe. And, and you don't want to maybe they don't, don't want to panic the people, right? Exactly. Oh yeah, for because the, of the aliens. Yeah, could be. That's probably what it is. Could be some smoking man X-Files shit. Oh, God. I never watched X-Files. It was too much for me. Oh, I love that show. I know. Are you ready? I am ready. This is the tale of hide-and-seek. Hmm. I was particularly good at hide-and-seek. I was small. I was the fastest runner amongst my friends. And I was a fairly patient kid. We lived in an isolated neighborhood where everyone knew each other. We agreed to all stay near my house for the rounds that ensued, and that night went pretty normally from there. It was my house, so I was the seeker. Then I hid, then I was a co-seeker, and then I hid. Then I was a co-seeker again, and then I hid. And on my next turn hiding, I remembered a bushy tree in the backyard that I thought would be perfect. Back there, there were no lights, and it was much easier to hide if you knew where the fire ant piles were and could avoid them. Due to the sand spurs, the sharp, pokey seeds that felt like stepping on thumbtacks, most of us pretty much avoided going anywhere near the creek, and my spot was just before where the spurs started. 
Florida. Am I right? (laughs) I had a slight fear of the dark at the time, so I was relieved to find that I wasn't alone when I got there. I could hear one of my friends beside me, breathing and quietly chuckling with me as we sat and listened to our friends get caught, one by one. Kate, one of the... Kate, one of the taller kids, was the seeker, and she quickly found my brother. The two of them continued until they found the boy from three blocks away. There was a tag element to the game, because I remember seeing them chase Kate's brother, who ran within 20 feet to where my accomplice and I were hidden before passing beyond vision to the far side of the house. More time passed, and they caught the boy from two houses down. The seekers, now numerous, grew bold and began to call out my name directly and expand their search in a more coordinated effort. (laughs) Minutes passed in silence, and I felt confident that they'd given up and maybe gone home. We'd won. That never happened. I don't know what possessed me at that moment, but something seemed off. Things felt sort of surreal, and my brain randomly jumped to fight or flight mode. I felt like I was in clear danger, but had no clue why. My accomplice and I were hidden from the world in the darkness, in my own backyard, on an island so safe that UFO sightings were included in the yearly crime statistics the local newspaper published. What could possibly be a danger to us? Why now did I suddenly feel like my friends, the Seekers, were getting so far away that it felt like I'd never see them again? This slew of strange emotions came over me and spurred me to rare mental action. I did a quiet head count. Myself, the mainlander, Kate, her brother, the two boys, and there was no one left. Our regular fifth didn't join us because they were out of town. Yet here I was in the dark, next to someone, and I suddenly felt it all fall into place. I ran and the dark shape moved to follow. I screamed as loud as I could. I zigged, I zagged, I ducked branches, and I never looked back until I was well within my house, two stories up and yelling at my parents that something tried to get me in our backyard. I have always been grateful that they could understand what I was saying in my rapid fire childhood panic and chose to believe me without question. My father rushed outside with a flashlight and did his best to find whatever it was while my mom got the rest of the kids inside the house. They were just as confused as I was when I quickly relayed the story in greater detail while my dad searched outside for whoever or whatever was in the darkness with me. My dad was outside for maybe 15 minutes, but never found anyone or anything back there, nor even the trace of anything amiss. My friends were all escorted home by their parents, but beyond that, nothing was done. None of the other children on the island had older siblings or relatives who lived anywhere nearby, so to be absolutely clear, these were the only children or young adults who lived within a 30-minute drive, and there was no possibility that this was some elaborate prank. My parents didn't want to get the police involved on something that their 8-year-old son thought he saw, so they just told the other parents and kept us indoors for the next few months. There were seven UFOs spotted on the island that year, but no one strange was ever discovered or arrested. Crazy. <sighs> what a, what no, a, thanks. No fucking thanks. You, no fucking thank you. You wouldn't want that experience to be in the dark and uh, to realize that you were next to an extraterrestrial? Oh, God. Can you, if oh you had to pick, If you had to pick a uh, shadow person or extraterrestrial being. Shadow person. Really? Yes. Absolutely, because I don't feel like shadow people can get you. They don't feel like they feel vapid. They feel hmm. like grainy static, like they could try to grab me, but go right through me. I don't I feel like mentally they can get me, but physically, I don't think that they can touch me. Black eyed kid Ooh. or extraterrestrial. Black eyed kid, because 
because yeah. they will only get you if you open the door. Okay. According to, yep, according to that lore. Oh, and also, um, uh, I did I did one of the mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Well, I guess that's the second one, technically. So, yeah, a couple drinks. Okay. It's hard to breathe in here. How enjoyable is this for the listener? Every so I know, often, I know, but, but you know what? It's, it's 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 the first time in a hundred episodes. Every so often, there's silence and gulping. <laughs> so we're trying to move the mics away. We're really, really trying. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, it's been a while since we talked about Skinwalkers. It has been. I we know. haven't talked about them very much. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one. Well, because it's like. I, it, it feels like one of those things we could maybe discuss encounters, which is what we're going to talk about here. But right. once you know what they are, it's sort of like shadow people. You can have different experiences, but it's always going to be the same thing coming for you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, my God, what is a skinwalker? You already know. Do you follow me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you were going to say something different. Oh, just that there's interesting lore behind them, too. Like, like they, uh, um... Kind of like Sasquatch, but I mean, uh, like, like the Skinwalker just goes into like American, you know, like tribal. Yeah, specifically lore, the Navajo. Like, yeah, the, well, there's actually so many. Yes, mostly them, but there's a there's a lot of versions of it's essentially mm. the same beast uh, with different names for oh. a whole bunch of like what's like the Utes and just the a whole bunch of different um, tribes and nations. Like Utes, like U T Z, like the pretzels. Like U T E. Oh, oh, the Utes. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was like the Utes. Oh, that's a fucking pretzel brand with a little kid on the cover. <laughs> Very confused. It's hot. Gotta power through. I know. Also, the drinking. Ay, ay, ay. We haven't been sleeping a lot this week. So it's like, I didn't eat a yep. lot today. Yep. haven't been sleeping a lot. And I'm just drinking. You got it. This, uh, this is okay. I'm not slurring my words yet, right? Nope. That's good. Okay. Well, let's hear about some a skinwalker, possible skinwalker encounter. Okay. Well, hello, Dan and Lindsay. I'm a new listener to Scared to Death, and since finding it, I have been binging all day, every day at work. Thanks for helping me make it through the every day and making me too scared to take the long hallway to the office bathroom. (laughs) I just listened to the episode about skinwalkers, and boy, oh boy, do I have a story for you. Awesome. The summer after I graduated from high school, my boyfriend at the time and I went on a trip to Washington with some friends to visit another one of our friends who'd recently moved there. One last hurrah before we all went our separate ways for college. We spent a couple days in Seattle, camped for a few nights at a very cool place called Cape Disappointment, and hung out on a beach with very cold water. One of the last days we were there, we decided to drive down to Oregon. It was a long drive, but my boyfriend had insisted that we visit a town I can't remember the name of. It was, as expected, a complete waste of time. We didn't do a very good job planning, and by the time we got there and saw what we wanted to see, it was pretty late. We started driving and got about halfway back, landing in Tumwater for a bathroom break. None of us wanted to drive all the way back to the Airbnb. We had some hammocks in the trunk, so we decided to stop and camp in this weird, half-constructed neighborhood that was surrounded... Oh, it's a motorcycle outside. It scared the shit out of me. Half-constructed neighborhood that was surrounded by woods. By half-constructed, I mean the roads were done, but there were no houses yet, or really any spots for houses, actually. We set up right on the edge of the woods so that we were close to the car, which we parked in what was going to be a cul-de-sac. Here's where it gets good. Everyone else was asleep, while me and my boyfriend were sharing a hammock, staying up talking. Out of nowhere, we started hearing a noise coming from the woods. It sounded like an animal in pain. I got nervous because if there's an animal in pain, that means there's another animal 
causing the pain and could possibly hurt us. A couple of minutes after that, we started hearing another noise. And by God, if that second animal didn't sound like a big cat. I pulled up a YouTube video of what a mountain lion sounds like, and guess what? Same fucking noise. Uh. That's when we woke everyone else up. The boys grabbed machetes out of the trunk, and me and the other girls sat in the car, terrified. When we started hearing barking, then we started hearing barking. And let me remind you, no houses, therefore you'd think no dogs. Obviously, the next logical step would be wolves. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. We were 18. Then, to me, the scariest warning we got. A deer comes out of the trees. We walk towards it, and it doesn't run back into the woods. The boys were throwing gravel at it, and it didn't run back into the woods. Obviously, there's got to be something worse than a group of teenagers in those trees that the deer was more worried about. I convinced everyone it was time to go. Mountain lion and wolves? No thanks. Plus, whatever the hell the deer was scared of. We started packing up our hammocks and loading everything into the car. Thank God we parked so close. Everyone's piling back into the car when I notice that my boyfriend is looking off towards the trees. When I look in the same direction, all I see is rustling where something had run off. I pulled him into the car, and as we pull away, he continues to watch out the rear window, staring into the woods, obviously terrified. I kept asking him what was wrong, but he wouldn't talk. We ended up sleeping on the ground in sleeping bags in a church parking lot. The next morning, I started chipping away right away at my boyfriend. What did you see in the woods last night? I didn't stop asking him until he finally showed me what he was looking at on his phone. He had done some research, and the pictures on his phone was none other than a skinwalker. What? He had read that they could shapeshift and mimic the sounds of other animals, which would explain all the different animal noises that we were hearing. He also discovered that they often target groups of teenagers and young adults, which obviously we were. There are quite a few different Native American tribes located around that area. Is it so unlikely that a skinwalker would be there? I don't fucking think so. We didn't tell anyone what he had seen until we were all back home, and every single one of us believed my boyfriend. Thank you guys for all the spooks. I hope this scared you at least a tiny bit. Keep up the good work, and much love, Caitlin. Ah! <laughs> 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 oh, I thought you were about to have a seizure. <sighs> I hit my hand. That hurt. Oh my God. For oh those no. of you just listening. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Remember one time you scared me and I cried? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's going to happen. Is it coming? This is, I, I wanted to wait till the end of the story. I, was, I didn't like that. I ripped Layla's head off. One, like my, oh. my old Layla's head under my seat. And then and then I hit the uh, table with my fist with one hand and threw the oh. head towards Lindsay. And she about had a complete mental breakdown. Oh, my God. That was so scary. Oh. Uh, I can't stop the tears. I'm not really upset. It's right. just really scary. It's like an adrenaline Oof. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, that was good. I'm glad we have that on video. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay actually scared me really good this morning. I know that guy. That was so fucking funny. Dan came into the studio oh. before me, and I came after him. And when I walked in, he wasn't in the studio. He was in the restroom, so I hid, and then I got him. Yep. Oh, oh my man. god. Woof. Woof. I didn't even plan on doing that before the episode, but then I was just thinking as you're going on, I'm like, well, the 100th episode, and I've never really done something like that. Don't ever do that again. And then with the drinking game, I'm I'll like, never Oof. give you another blowjob if you do that again. <laughs> I'm so happy that I got you as good as I did and didn't interrupt the storm. I'm so proud <gasps> of myself. I know. I'm proud of you, too, because you don't have a lot of patience for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. But also buddy. drink. Okay. Because <laughs> you screamed. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. That'll, 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 I'm sure that moment will be on socials. Oh, boy. 
<sighs> okay. 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 I'm okay. Yeah, I'm fine. You got some good screams tonight. Woof. Woo, buddy. <laughs> All right. I might cry a little bit more. <laughs> I don't even know if I can control it. Poor, poor, <sighs> poor original little Layla. What's left? Oh, a decapitated Layla. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god, how how scared would you be yeah. if tonight Oh, like the head's back a, on? A two-part Layla came and got you. Oh, yeah. Like little, little, little body dolls. holding its head. Mm-hmm. What did you do Why did you do me? that to me? But then it's like super sweet to me because you were so mean to me. Mm. Okay. Okay. You, you ready for one more? Oh my god, that was so scary. I hate you. <laughs> did you want to comment on the skinwalkers? Do you want to wrap that uh, up? The in only any thing way? I was going to say about the Skinwalkers is that um, it's interesting. Skinwalkers, for whatever reason, with me, it's not a big like scary point for me. But I love how oh, things okay. hit different people yeah. uh, with different you know power or whatever. And my sister Donna, unexpectedly, when we did that episode a long time ago, it freaked her out. And then she told me she's like, Skinwalkers freak me out so much. Well, and where she lives, there happens to be. Have you been to that house? Yes. Hmm? Yeah, I'm just thinking about there's like an open field kind of area that was supposed to be a park that never developed. So if you think that like, you know, there might be like more critters around, they might mm. get like some deer that might, because I think that field maybe butts up to some woods where it's like that, that could be creepy yeah. just inherently. Yeah. Yeah. Just that creature though, too. Just something about it just freaks her out. Oh, well, Donna, you'll fucking kill Dan later. <laughs> okay. Kay. Now this is... I am obsessed. I have found this story months ago because we were putting the book together. Yes. And so I had to work very hot, far ahead of, well, now the drinking's kicking in. Yeah. I had to work very far ahead. Yes. Right? So I've had this story in my brain forever and I oh, okay. couldn't remember where it got placed and I've right. just been fucking dying to share it. Okay. Okay. So if you're new to the show or if you don't remember, for a while, we were certain that we had a ghost here. A hundred percent certain. And, uh... Somebody that we know is in touch with the other side. Like, that's just one of their special gifts in life. And they were here and they were like, oh, my God, like, there's definitely something there. And her name is Millie. And I was like, and then we were trying to think. I was like, well, my grandmother's name is Tilly. So then we were like, oh, yeah, it's like it's got to be my grandma. She's come to find me. I have all the answers of who it was right fucking here. And all of everything I just told you matters very much to this story. Can I guess, and is it the early, no, late 80s R&B group Millie Vanilli? Yes. Okay. They've come to share more hits with us. Okay. Dearest queen and king of all things spooktacular, let's get this out of the way first. Please feel free to use my name if you read this to the creep and peeper cult as it's very important to the story. Also, I love you both and I think you're creepy in the most wonderful way. (laughs) That's nice. Now onto the good stuff. I think you have my ghost. No, this isn't a joke or a pull for any kind of weird attention. I genuinely think your studio ghost got lost and confused trying to find me. Please let me explain. My great-grandmother was an absolutely incredible woman. She was the glue that kept our family together. She managed, she managed to keep peace between all of us, not an easy feat with five generations, as you can imagine. She basically raised my sister and I, and for the most part, my little brother. She was always playing pranks on us and teaching us some crazy old dirty jokes. You would have loved her, Dan. Example, why are women like casinos? Uh, why? Liquor in the front, poker in the back. <laughs> I've actually heard this. It's so long. <laughs> yes, it is very inappropriate and problematic, but she was old and she got the old lady pass. And the 90s were a much weirder time. <laughs> Feel free to keep the joke out if you decide you don't want to share. The, if you decide you do want to share this story, don't get yourselves canceled. Anyways, let me get to why I honestly believe you have my ghost. 
Ten years ago, we lost her. She was, a, she was around long enough to meet my daughter and know they share the same middle name, Grace. At the end, she had some memory issues. I remember visiting with my little one-year-old bundle of joy, and she told me about her great-great-granddaughter. She didn't know who we were for a solid hour. Suddenly, we don't... So since we don't know what the rules are, I'm just assuming sometime... Sorry, a little drunk. Since we don't know what the rules are, I'm just assuming sometimes how they were in life they carry over in death. I believe that she has gotten the wrong Lindsay. I can't, it cannot be a coincidence that I am Lindsay with another weird spelling of a common name. She got confused, plain and simple, but it doesn't stop there. You talked about your ghost for the first time, at least for me. I have a weird listening schedule on the anniversary of her death. And then you named her on her birthday again, based on my listening habits. My great-grandmother's name is Millie. Mm-hmm. I don't believe this is a coincidence. I believe you have my ghost. And honestly, I'm happy to share someone so wonderful with other wonderful people. That's it. If you actually read this, I absolutely adore you both. And my grandma surely does too if she stuck around so long. She's probably admiring Lindsay's wild socks and Dan's humor. Every time you mention her, even if she isn't my ghost, my black morbid heart swells just a little. Aww. Thanks for keeping her, for lack of better words, alive. Oh, that's very sweet. I know. But how crazy is that? Mm-hmm, like three things. Like just like the time, the first time she happened to listen was what? The anniversary of the, it was like birthday. The anniversary of, of her death. death and, and then, then her, her name, birthday. And the then so, so she's a Lindsay L-Y-N. And then she's Lindsay. Yeah, she's L-Y-N-S-S-I. Huh. So like, a, like weird yeah. non-traditional spellings. Millie and Tilly, I'm telling you. And not that long ago, she left. So Lindsay, huh. if you're listening, she's not here anymore. She's probably fucking looking for you. And I talked to our witchy friend who yeah. has been here since, and she also said that she's not here anymore, huh. that she saw her one time that she was here. Um, but our friend is not here that often and hmm. doesn't often have the time to kind of see what's going on. Right. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I love it. It made me so happy. It's like, it's kind of spooky, but it also gave me this feeling of comfort of like, maybe when our loved ones pass, they do actually sometimes come and watch over us like they are mm-hmm. actually there and if her grandma is looking for her and just got lost and confused i mean she had dementia or like some like memory issues what an interesting concept that would be too where um like what if you pass on but then you don't know where to find people that's an interesting thought that your consciousness were to move into some oh yeah uh afterlife but you're still on this plane right and you're right. trying to find your loved ones but you don't know where they are like what a frustrating thing where it's not like you can go up to Excuse uh, me. <laughs> yeah, just grab somebody's phone. Can I borrow your phone for a second? <laughs> I just need to make a phone call. I need. Can I look quick, at your map? Right. Quick phone call. Look at your map. Uh, yeah. What, which bus do I guess? Which uh, can I borrow your truck? But yeah, like, how would you get around? Yeah. Well, you probably hitch the ride. Hitch a ride uh, in the bed of a truck. I like that that story touched you. I love it. Mm-hmm. it made me so happy. Mm-hmm. I was so close to my grandma Tilly, so it's yeah. like I. She was close to her grandma. My grandma was very funny. There were just so many similarities that I was like, okay, I believe uh, it. That's cool. I will take it. Okay. Good so that stories. Is, that is episode 100. Yeah, yeah, Oof. a lot of stories. So let's so let's do our Annabelle shout out and our spooky shout outs. Yes. And then we'll do the uh, Q&A. Mean, I think you mean spooky shout outs, oh, which man. means we have to drink. And again, if you're a first time listener, you're like, I can't handle it. Yeah, no, this is well, not the norm. Dan's not great at doing it off mic. I do move away from it, but I don't know. I try. And, I, I try. I, I make, make an effort. A- I, I go further away. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you going first with Annabelle's or me? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. okay. We would like to thank the following Annabelle's. Amanda Hebert, River Donkey Adventures, <laughs> Drew Stratton, Esmeralda, no last name given, Victoria Romero, 
Kimberly K, Rafalo Turo, Ashley Lewin, Lily Superslime, <laughs> Isaiah Leffler, Nathan Freeman, Hunter, no last name given, Mackenzie Ryan, Christigail Mandapat, and George Van Cleve. Good job. Thank you. That's a very cute outfit, by the way, too. Oh, it's so cute. It's so good when I'm not under a blanket. It's like a skirt and it's a sweatshirt and it's so cute. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles, Andrew Oakton, Holly Barnes, Micah Hughes, Just AJ, Felipe Cortez, Jordan Spence, Van... This is like there's numbers in it, so it's not... It's Van Burr 3N80. Van Buren 80? <laughs> With a three instead yeah, of an three E? Instead of B, yeah, so it could be like Van Buren 80, just using some numbers instead of letters. Exactly. Uh, Henry Barta, Amy. Now, I've never seen a last name start with an X. I know. That's why I gave it to you, because I looked it up and it Literally is spelled correctly. Ever. Uh, Amy Yaharth. Oh, Yaharth. I was thinking, I was thinking z- like, like a Z sound. I think like a Yaharth. Uh, Catherine Henderson, Jennifer Lalande, Micah Farmer, Lisa Bryant, Regina Folly, Daniela Leal. Thank you. Very nice. And I have the following spoopy shout outs to Brad from Shaley. Congrats on being sober for two years. Brad, we hear that you're going through a little bit of a tough stretch. So just listen, keep off the bottle, keep going to your meetings and just you'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And I do have to point out the irony of that happening during our drinking episode. Listen, just because he's sober doesn't mean oh, I know. he I doesn't know. understand that I we know. like that we like it. I know. I know. It's just pretty funny. Well, it was I can't help it. To Josh from Mira, I hope you have a great shift. He listens to the show while working. Oh, cool. To Andrew from Ashley, every day is brighter with you in it. This is so cute. This is two time suckers that don't live in the same place that are doing like a long distance kind of romance situation. Aww. It's so cute. That's awesome. Oh, I just mentioned another bad magic ah. show. Ha <laughs> <laughs> you, you, ha. I'll, I'll drink when you start talking again. Okay. Alex from Sandy, the love of your life. Happy belated birthday. And this is great. To Huff Daddy from Mango. Huff Daddy and Mango. Huff Daddy and Mango. That's oh, that's only, what was the one last week? It was like Goozlebug and Goozlebear. God, please, you guys kill me. Anyways, Huff Daddy, Mango loves you. And that's it. Huff Daddy and Mango sounds like some like tropical themed buddy cop movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a new restaurant in town, Terraza, yeah. and they have this drink. I forget what it's called. It has like coconut in it. It is like fucking vacation in a glass. Ooh, nice. Oh, it's like dangerous. A, like a pina colada. It's like rum, coconut, mango. It's delish. So um, we are going to do Q and A now. So if you don't want that, and yeah, if want you don't to like go banter, to, yeah, like uh, uh, more horror stories. By the time you're hearing this, perhaps there are. More episodes in the catalog, you just skip ahead. Yeah. Do you want to do like your show closing or do you want to save it for later? Like where you thank people and like direct them to our Facebook groups or do you want to um, do that after the Q&A? Yeah, you know, I'll just do that right now. In case people are curious, like where yeah. to find other content, but they don't sure. want to listen to us bullshit. So, yeah. So and then I'll just say goodbye. At the very end. So that's all for today. Other than the Q&A, thanks for continuing to send your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death You can email us for everything else at info at scared to death Thanks to Logan Keith on social media and badmagicmerch.com design. Uh, merch design store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service. Joe Paisley uh, for producing, directing. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Thank you to Olivia Lee for finding the first Romanian story. And thank you to Sophie Evans and Sarah Finch for finding the two encounter tales from that North Carolina second story. Cool. And thanks to all of you for supporting us uh, to the point that we made it to 100 episodes. I know. And we have a successful Patreon account. We're getting you know consistently more than a million downloads a month. We don't take it for granted. No, we love you guys. We're super grateful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
and uh, I'll just say the, for good, goodbye at the very end. Okay. So you don't have the questions. I don't. I have I don't the know questions. what's going on. Okay. So on Patreon, I sent, yeah. I posted this to the Annabelles. Like, okay, what are your burning questions? Yeah. And so, you know, more or less people have kind of similar questions. So I tried to really yeah. pare it down. Um, I mean, nothing is like, oh, my God, I'm not prepared for that. Like, right. we're not. It's not going to be anything crazy. There's no research. Worried. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Alicia Cleveland asks, oh, this is like about the show. Yeah. Do you guys think you could experience something or have you guys experienced anything paranormal recently that you think is directly caused from talking about these things all of the time? Like basically, like are we right. breathing are we it into existence? In. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, because I am aware. I, I feel like I'm not trying to manufacture anything, but I feel like I pay attention more. Like, that would be oh. cool to see something. And for me, unfortunately, I have not yet. I've, I've been spooked out. I've been weirded out in plenty of moments. I've had things fall around me. But th- you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. But, I, but I've had nothing blatant. Right. Not, nothing where I'm like, oh, my God, that there was a shadowy entity that clearly just walked across the room. Or, right, or right. oh, my God, I definitely heard scratching. Or I definitely heard, like, a weird voice. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing to that level. So... You know, open to it, waiting for it, but nothing yet. Yeah, yeah. I thought for sure that within like a month or two of doing this show, yeah, I was going to have a mental fucking breakdown. I did not think I would make it. First of all, I didn't think I'd make it through one year, nonetheless approaching two years. Yeah, like around the two month point or so, I was definitely like, I don't. We might have to swap, like, like yeah, get a different host or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's it's kind of to me, it's sort of like anything in your life. You can acclimate to anything. So I've sort of acclimated to the stories, and I would have thought, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this gingerly. I would have thought that if I was going to see something, it would have happened by now if it was a result of the show. Yes. Right? If I was welcoming things in with the incantation, with the prayers, with – because I, I say them, like, you know, as they're going on the monitor. and Yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, I think that it would have happened by now. And I feel like I'm now going to regret that and it's going to happen soon. But um, if by talking about it consistently, sorry, (laughs) if by talking about it consistently brings it more to the forefront. Yeah. I I don't have any proof of that. You know, I just think it would have happened. So that leads me to believe that it is completely random. I don't actually think that ghosts or spirits target one particular person necessarily for any reason now more people some people might be more susceptible yeah, to it yeah. but i don't necessarily think it's a target on your back if that makes sense mm-hmm. that, that does yeah i would yeah. agree okay okay um so i'm going to bounce around so we have show questions and relationship questions okay okay so let's do like one show let's do one relationship okay okay so Brittany neely says um oh yeah i just really want to have an update from a post about you and dan going through a rough spot in your marriage are you guys in a better place now and if so do you have any marriage advice for your creeps and peepers what rough spot did we go through well it was like i don't know several months ago and it's just like honestly we hadn't had sex in a while and we were is, really... it, is this a post of yours then mm-hmm. oh. yeah yeah it, just on patreon just like yeah. where we share more intimate oh, details okay. of our life and i sh- i talked to you about it before i posted it um just talking about like you know how like things are stressful and they're hard and you get yeah. irritated with people and yeah. and what is the solution and and how do you like you know we're not a couple that fights really no we get tired and cranky and like yeah, yeah but we're like not anybody. like knock them down drag them out we no can, i can think of like Three solid, like, 
big fights. Right. Big and arguments. Even, even that is like, eh, were they big? Yeah. Um, so, yes, we're in. We're totally fine. We're never splitting up. I, t- I like to tell Dan all the time, like, go ahead. Fucking cheat on me. I will never leave you, but I'll make every day of your life a living fucking hell. But no, I mean, (laughs) I'm a little bit crazy. Um, But no, I mean, we are in a good spot. And I think generally speaking, we are always in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. No, it it really is like, um, I think the thing for us this year has been, I've thought about this, like no matter how much you like somebody, Mm -hmm. it's like the, the pandemic has been very good to us. You know, like we've been very lucky compared to a lot of people. But also, like a lot of people, you know, we're around each other all the time. And, and, and more than a lot, because we work together. And without, there's no break. No, without me touring, it's like we are home together. We are working together. We are working on things together. We're at the gym together. We're at the, we're at the gym together. We go have lunch together. We're always together. We're always together, which is great in many ways. Kind but, of. <laughs> but, but like, you know, I am somebody and Lindsay is too, where every once in a while, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. I don't want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, not worry about what noises I'm making. I want to not think about what noises they're making uh-huh. i don't want to be interrupted i want to read my book and know that no one's going to ask me a question mm-hmm. like yeah so it's not so i mean i think that's just human nature that's human nature and, and then it was just exaggerated this year and so i think there was just some mo- and, and that plus and again this is a good problem you know we're always trying to refine these shows we yeah. have we don't have family here and so no, we, we have we the sure kids don't. every other week we try to be very active parents on the weeks that we you know have the kids and make life special for them and so it just feels like sometimes life is so busy uh-huh. and you get like you're just always doing something and you start to get sleep deprived yeah. and, and it feels like your to-do list is never going to get checked off and then you don't have time for sex and then it's, and then it's easy to fall yeah. into a rut where mm-hmm. you're not affectionate, you're not taking time and you're just like go, 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 go yeah. kind of robotic. Yeah. And then I think, you know, you get to this place where it's easy to be real snappy. Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that... Sometimes my nickname is Snappy Turtle. I tend to be like the person that bites people's heads off. I just, it's my demeanor. I just, it can be really short with people. It's not always great. But like when you take all of those factors and push them together and then push like my personality into it, it's like, yeah, of course somebody's going to fucking get their head bitten off. Well, and I can get very, like very, very work focused and it Uh is like justified and what needs to get done. But also it's like, I won't do anything else, which is going to irritate any partner Mm -hmm. where it's like, if I'm not contributing around the house... That, like, that can, you know, uh, wear on uh, whoever you're with, too. Yeah, and we both are a little bit martyr. We mm, both have, like, a little bit of that. Yes. Like, like, you have it around work, and I have it around the household. Yeah. And I think also, I'm going to speak for homemakers. Yeah. It's like, when you run the household, your job never fucking stops. There's always a load of laundry. There's always something that yeah. needs to be picked up. There's always a gallon of milk that needs to be bought. And, and that's not male or female. That's, like, right. the person who is more paternal or maternal that is like their their thing they put a fence around that they protect that that matters them and that matters to me so i feel this is what happens in our household and probably what happened as a result of like this post that i made but i feel like well i'm at work too like i have to like tit for tat i work too and i run the household and you're like i fucking work all these hours it's like everything is valid to each person and it's really hard when you're tired and you're sleep deprived and you haven't eaten well and you're not getting to go to the gym and you're trying to build a business and you're trying to be the best parent or you're just fucking trying to make ends meet and robbing Peter to pay Paul, like whatever your scenario is, it's really hard in those moments to take a step back and think like, well, my partner's doing just as much. Yeah. Like their load is just as heavy. And also, I don't know the last time I slept with them. I don't know the last time I held their hand. I don't know. Like, 
I always think that sex is the answer. I do, I do, because it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not about the act, it's about the intimacy that it creates. And that's why, mm. like, if you're religious and you believe that sex belongs only in a marriage because of that level of intimacy as a young adult, I did not understand that, but as right. an adult in a committed relationship, I get why people feel that way about sexual and, intercourse. And I think I'm in my head now, so like I'm not, but normally I would make a dick joke here for sure. Do it, do it. So no, Give I don't, I don't have on. one. No, I oh. don't have one. So but people should drink, so just dick because joke. Because it was in your brain. It was it, in your brain. It, it would have been, but then like my brain stopped and like, yeah, but now people want you to they know you do that and I overthought it. So there would have been a dick okay, joke. Okay, I drink. But, but I was going I'll drink in a second, but I was going to say uh to one thing that's happened for me just you know, the, you know, relationship wise too is I think it's gotten a little easier the last few months where I was putting, I didn't realize so much self-imposed pressure on myself, Yes, you know, and being like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And I started really thinking about like work, like have to, yeah, and just cutting myself some slack and just so advice for whoever's listening. It can get mm-hmm. so easy where it's like, especially if you're like, maybe you're, you're running a business or working in a business and it is going well. And you start to connect in your head where it's like the chaos and the working all the time. And you start to think that it needs that to keep mm-hmm. going well, mm-hmm. not necessarily. And I realized that like. Um, I get so, uh, feeling so responsible to everybody, you know, who works yeah. for us and we work with where I'm like, well, I said I would do this and I said I would do that and I have to get those things done and I have to get this done. And then I just pulled back. And I'm like, what do I actually have to do? Yes. I need to get the episodes done and that other shit. I'll get to it when I get to it. Yes. And I started giving, cutting myself some slack and it feels like a weight kind of got lifted. Yeah. And I started uh, saying no to things. Like I yeah. reached out, there was another show we were doing, Incredible Feats with Parcast. They've yeah. been great to work with. Great. But I was like, hey guys, can I not do the next year? Can we be done? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm just doing Being too honest. many things. Yep. And yeah. talking to my agent, it's like, hey, I'm not doing media. I'm not, I'm not taking the extra weekends. I'm not going to certain markets. Right. Because I would feel so guilty about stuff like that. Because you don't right. like to let people down. Right. And I think that that's something that I and it was burning me out. I, like, I, that, I went max doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if people know that about you, that like, despite, you know, your persona and what people do know of you, you're yeah. actually very sensitive to what other people want from you. And you always want to give them what they want. And like a really yeah. great example. Like, I don't want to let them down. Never. You never want to let anyone down. You yeah. don't want to disappoint anybody. And you're so true to your word. I said I would do it. So I'm going to do it. Right. Which is so admirable. But when the cost is your sleep and your, your sanity, sanity. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's like you know to the to the credit of the people that work with and for us, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the person that talks you off from the ledge. Where I'm like, hey, they're not going to be mad at you, right? They see the hours, they get it. Yeah, it's going to be okay. And and I am taking more time now to be like, you know what? And also, it's like I don't want to like uh, be on my deathbed. And being like, oh, I'm so glad I got an extra X amount of downloads. I'm so glad I got an extra. It's like, <laughs> no, no, calm man. down, calm down. And the other thing you said is that like you switched your frame of thinking of like, I have to, I have to, to I get to. Yep, I get to. I get to. Like how fucking lucky that yeah, this, is, exactly. this is our job. We, yep. This this right mm-hmm. now is our job. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So we're good. Okay, we are good. Sex and all. Sex and all. Um, okay, then this question is about the show. Alyssa mm-hmm. J says, what is your favorite and most memorable story to date? Mm. Has one ever particularly stuck with you long after the episode? Congrats on your 100th episode. Oh, that's very nice. You know what? It's been so long, maybe early on, but there was this one story about uh, a house, a haunted house in, oh my God, Missouri. Uh, it was in Missouri, for sure. Small town. Oh, the um, uh, famous one? Oh, no. My God. Union House? The- yes, yes, yeah. That is famous. Oh, oh, is it? Well, yeah. well known. Well, it, it was, God, no, LaPlante. I want to say like the oh, LaPlante. The LaPlante family mansion? 
Something like that? Yeah, something like that. But it was like this guy. I just remember this image of the family packed up and leaving, driving away, and his shadow walking by the window. And all this talk of shadows in it. And that one, oh, I think it was La Chance. It was La Chance. That's it. Did you say La Plant? I did. That was one of our kids' teachers. Oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. And a buddy of mine in college, actually. Funny. Uh, But La Chance, yeah, this this La Chance house, that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then also um, the... Oh my god, it was a it was a doppelganger one. One of the first doppelganger ones, really. Oh, that just gave me the chills thinking about doppelgangers. Yeah, it's it's so hard uh, just from memory without looking at a sheet of paper yeah, with yeah. the names to be like, oh yeah, that's the name. But um, but there hasn't been like for me at least one that really jumped out. It's like uh-huh. the totality of all of them. But I will say haunted house ones, mm-hmm. haunted house ones involving shadowy humanoid entities. Mm-hmm. Those ones, mirrors. And doppelgangers. Mirrors Any convert like, you know, in that space freak me out the most. Mirrors still just in general freak me out the most. UFOs and black eyed children, I still like will say those are the things that upset me the most. Uh. Um when it comes to the stories though, I think the reason I've been able to get to the one hundredth episode is that I have the separation of church and state. I only work on the episodes here, mm. and I feel like I have contained my fears to this space. Huh. So when we go home, I don't know how I did it. I, honestly, it wasn't like even necessarily conscious, yeah. but I just don't think about it. Of course, when I get home and I go to bed, I'm a little like, what's going on? Like, I'll have mm-hmm. moments, but I have tried to push it out of my brain so hard. I've started meditating at night. I have like a... um it's called a hatch. It's like that light thing that like mm-hmm. does the the sleep countdown yep. kind of thing. And I think that having something else to focus on and my brain not being able to wander, like redirecting it right. has given me a lot of peace. Okay. But I will say of all the fan stories to this day, the emails that I get the most are about that guy, Tom. And he wrote this really, he shared this yeah. really amazing story that he wrote up for us. His sister and brother-in-law were living like somewhere. And then he went and stayed with his sister because the brother-in-law was going out of town. Yeah. And then... She like couldn't find her cell phone, and then the like the brother-in-law was calling, but it wasn't. Oh yes, yeah, and there was a very early on story. I mean, That's I'm talking right. like under the first fifty episodes, I think. That was a freaky one. So freaky, and anytime someone says like, "Hey, do you know what episode that was?" Which off the top of my head, I don't. And I go and find it. I'm like, I get the heebie-jeebies head to toe. Yeah, and okay. then and then the the story that stuck with me the most actually, I haven't think of it now. Teresita Bassa. I don't oh, remember the episode. yeah. Because that's the one where I looked at it. I'm like, how? Like, it was just, it gave the most validity. Yeah. To, uh. That's sense, where she solved her own murder, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. To like a sentient ghost. Like, a, yeah. like carried over mean, consciousness. Like, uh, intelligent, sentient. um, able to make like a sentient being is, uh, has consciousness, aware of itself, aware so of I'm others. Sentient, you're, you're sentient. sentient. I'm sentient. Yeah. Okay. And, and, um, as opposed to like some static thing, like a, mm, mm. like a ghost, like, like a loop, something trapped in a loop doing the same thing over and over, regardless, like almost like a, like a glitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be a sentient being. But if all of a sudden, like you walked up to it and it like stopped and then looked at you <sighs> and had like, um, you know, decision-making capabilities and stuff, then it would. But like that carried over consciousness where the person is the same in death as they were in life and yeah. remember details from their life to share with somebody in death from that Teresita Bassa story, that really weirded me out. Yeah, I get that. Are you ready for another? This is a sweet question about us. Okay. Okay. From Kelsey Jimerson, she says, what is your favorite thing about each other? Mm. That's so cute. That is very cute. I know what I want to say. Do you want a minute to think? 
Yeah, I, I, I have it rough. I don't have the exact words, but I know what I'm going to say. Well, yeah, because it's like I um, I read these questions already. These are just coming oh, yeah. to you off the cuff. Okay, my favorite thing about you, I mean, there, there are actually so many things. Like, I do just genuinely love you so much. Oh, I love you too. Just as a person, as a human, I'm so grateful you're my partner in life. Oh, um, and back at you. Thanks, baby. Um, okay, when you're single... Oftentimes, I think this is a female thing. We make a list of the things that we want mm-hmm. where we're like, okay, I'm not going to settle. These are the things I want. You checked off everything on my list, which was a big deal to me. And if it wasn't for the drinking, I would say big dick right now. I, I was in my mind. I'm like, he's going to say including mm-hmm. big dick. So, uh, so yeah, that'd be the drink. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Worth it. <laughs> I mean, also true. Um, Ooh, that's, I forgot, I forgot that was mine was mostly whiskey now. Oh, I just oh no. Oh, no. You can add some water to it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um. But when it comes to like us and in our day to day in our life, my most favorite, it's like not even super sappy or even really that sweet. It's the, your ability to always say that you are wrong. Mm. And anytime we have from the smallest disagreement just about like fucking who spilled the milk. It's like you're so good about immediately whether you are wrong or not. Just saying like, OK, I, I may have done that. And I'm really sorry, and I will work on it. And I think that's such an incredible quality because most people, including myself, are so embarrassed and afraid to be wrong. We get immediately mm. defensive. And I know it's very hard for you to understand that That in reverse, I can't just be like, oh, I'm wrong. You're so comfortable being wrong. You're so comfortable being corrected. And you're so comfortable saying like, okay, I'll work on it. Like it doesn't affect your ego. And it's really such a beautiful thing because most people cannot – do that. Hmm. I, I yeah. am amazed watching you do it because you do it so gracefully with our kids, with our family, with our employees, with me. It's just you're you're very graceful in that way. Oh, that's nice. I, yeah, I just look at it as an integral part of the human condition. So when people, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm like everybody makes mistakes. I know constantly, but, but and, we can't help like, the, like some people get so insecure. Me, I and do. Their ego gets you know uh, I do. so in the way where there's like, oh, that's that. I'm this. I'm confident. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. Then, that's you're describing me right now. Yeah, and it's like, and I look at it like, yeah, but mistakes don't make you less talented. They don't make you less. I mean, that word perfect. It's like it's so silly to me because no one's perfect. I, Truly, no one. I know, but there's so Not much. Even close. There's so much pressure to fit a mold, to mm. be this person, to do things a certain way, and I get like a little OCD about it. Mm. And you're so patient in that way to understand that that's who I am and instead of trying to change me it's you just lead by example in that way and it's just really great and it makes uh, you a really great boss oh that's nice yeah well I like you my, my favorite thing about you is your uh that I noticed right away in the beginning is your focus on others like, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I really like your butt that too <laughs> I did notice that first first I noticed that I know that's why I that's thought you were the going. very first thing I noticed <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, great curve. Yep, yep, good. Um, good waist to butt ratio. Thank you. Uh, but um, yeah, no, just just your um, ability to put the needs of others above yourself, whether it's the kids, whether it's a family member. I mean, it can be me, it can be others, yeah. but like that's a rare quality. And oh. you're very, very thoughtful and very thank giving, you. like to a crazy degree that I've never experienced anybody else. Oh, thanks, baby. Yeah, like like Lindsay, like I joke about with her specials to uh, her specialty Ooh, is I to think make that was a mush That was. I, was, I tried to say gift and special at the same time, and I don't know what came out. Schmift. Schmift. But her, uh, her one of her greatest gifts is to make life special for others. But mm-hmm. like the birthday party she's thrown for the kids. For me, I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just the way you like, yeah, make your family like, yeah. Oh, you're getting choked up. 
I didn't expect it. <laughs> oh, anytime you cry, I cry. It's like uh, inevitable. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's very it's very touching. Thank you. Like you truly care about the people in your pack. I do, I do, and and, and show it because a lot of people yeah. won't do that. They won't put in the work. Right. They'll right. feel it, but the feeling won't translate to doing the acts. And right. you are real good at that. Thanks. Well, I I do think it's just so important, even if it's not your nature to yeah. to do the act at least say the words because we get but one fucking chance i think that's mm. why i said i could die with zero regret everyone in my yeah. world knows that i love them respect them because and i'm very careful about who's in my world mm-hmm. i'm not somebody with a lot of i don't have a lot of best friends i have i could i always say but you have really good friends like your relationship with your yes. friends is very interesting i mean it's special to watch yes and i always say like if if there was a tragedy, if my mom died tomorrow, mm-hmm. I could tell you exactly which of my friends would get on a plane and be in Cleveland with mm-hmm. me, which I just mentioned Cleveland, so we have to drink in a second. And to me, that is, if you have but one friend like that in life, you just need one. You need one person who picks up the phone every time, who's always there for the big things, the little things. Like, mm-hmm. you just need one. And I've been blessed with several of those people, and I fucking, I do not take that for granted. No, it's cool to see. It's, uh, I, I should get better about that. I'm so work-focused her- work and hermity. No, and dudes are I have different. A lot, I have a lot of people in my life that like, but I, I don't nurture the relationships enough. Yeah. I don't know why I drank. Oh, I said Ohio. So great. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Let's lighten it up. My God. Okay. I know you talk about doing live shows a lot uh-huh. as in in-person shows. Yeah. And whether or not you would do them in a haunted loca- location. But my question is, would you ever consider doing it like in an abandoned town or possibly haunted woods to be so isolated and more isolated than just a house or a building? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are TBD. For me, it's like, and we've talked about this privately, it's the fact that I'm working on multiple shows yeah. and then with the family and then touring, it really does become a question of time. But there are so many things right. I would really like to do. Yeah. And one of those things is to do like, interesting location yeah. haunted house type show mm-hmm. so i don't know i just don't know when it'll happen oh, but we want it but to. want it to and that question came from cat meeks by the way i didn't have a chance to say that yeah and i think that like the the thing is is that to pull back the veil the curtain a little bit yeah we don't just sit down and talk right oh man i wish Pod, podcasts I, wish. I mean p- there are podcasts like that where they people are so good at the art of conversation and they don't yeah. have to do any research and their podcast is chit chat but mm-hmm. they do it beautifully yeah, they do it great they, i mean they're a reason why I'm jealous yeah me too but also this is what we do well mm-hmm. and and it takes a lot of time yeah. and i think that that's sort of like the taking the mystery out of it is it's like you know we don't all come into the office and like joke around and it's yeah. like our office day-to-day is very boring it's all of us sitting at computers in silence yeah and every so often i hear logan let out one of his amazing laughs which he's been out of the studio for a little bit and i right. i heard him laugh today i was like oh my god i missed that so yeah, much yeah. um you know or or i'll be like oh my god joe did you know like we have little moments mm-hmm. but for the most part it's very boring here yeah these are the moments that we all get to come to life whether it's is we dumb or time suck which we have to drink those are all bad magic shows <laughs> um, yeah. but it's hard to find the time plus kids and everybody mm-hmm. who works here has kids zach's kids are grown kid is grown but it's yeah. like it's hard i'm not complaining i'm no. just saying the reality of it is it's like we want to but where the fuck do you squeeze it in and how do you give it enough attention for it to be worth the while of the fans to be there that's the thing because we're not like, going to do it like all half-assed no we want to do it right but there's, there's and a you whole... have like the tech aspect of doing it yeah. in the middle yes. of nowhere yes yes that's like, a hindrance. people yeah we can't i mean we could go if it's not live we've got the we've got the manpower and equipment to pull it off right but doing a live right. show somewhere 
that doesn't have reliable internet uh, and you're trying yeah. to create your own network in the middle of fucking nowhere. Right, for high def it's very, cameras. It's very tricky. How much does that stress you out, Joe? Uh, we'll talk about it when we do it. Bye. <laughs> Joe, they, by the way, all the fans said, have Joe chime in more. We love to hear his voice. Oh, that's oh, nice. Oh, there's enough. I know. Well, you guys want to drink? There's another show. It's called Is We Dumb. I was just going to say, <laughs> there we go. he's very funny uh, and you can catch him on Is We Dumb. Yes. Um, yeah, but I will say all of that to say... You guys, now, if you're, if you, oh, I'm going to mention other shows. If you oh came over from Time Suck, you know about The Gathering. Mm. But. Yes. But if you don't, it is, um, if you, you're new to our network or this is the only show on our network that you listen to. In 2019, we did this thing called The Gathering. And people came to Coeur d'Alene and they got a tour of the studio and we had a special dinner and it was a really cool thing. It was like, sold, we sold tickets. Like, think of it as like a festival type mm-hmm. thing, but very small. Obviously, 2020, not an option. Yeah. We did it. Um, oh, my God. The Virtual. Thank like, you. I was, say te- I was mm-hmm. about to say telepathically. <laughs> <laughs> we did telepathically. We, uh. we shared our thoughts. Um, we did it over Thanksgiving. We are going to do something this Christmas, which we will open up to everybody. But, yeah. you know, it it will still be more heavily time suck. But. Right. 2022, you guys. Yeah, we want to go big. We are working. I have been working with an event planner. Like, we are really going to take it seriously. And we are looking at, like, a multi-day sort of, like, camp thing where all the shows would be, would be represented. There would be hangout time. There would be activities. Like, we... Because we do believe in the community, we do mm-hmm. value the community, and we want to give you a place where you can all connect yes. and be together. So fun. And not just be on a fucking stage and like telling you another story. We want more than that. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Um, okay. Sarah, check. I'm going to guess it is. When did you guys know you loved each other? So super curious. You get mm-hmm. along so well. Not only do I love spooky stuff, but a good beginning of a love story is just as good. Congratulations on all your success after 2020, 2021's hardships. Keep kicking complete ass. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. Sometime around that Dodgers game. That was a special, you know, like like not long after, like right around that. Yeah. When we'd only been dating, I mean, we'd only been dating like very. Maybe like two weeks max. Yeah, max. And we went to this Dodgers game and that was when uh, Lindsay was introduced to Kyler Monroe. Uh-huh. And it was like this perfect outing and Monroe mm-hmm. took to Lindsay so strong. Kyler was enamored with Lindsay, like that Cute. little boy crush yeah. kind of vibe. And, um, and then just seeing her, I knew she had worked with kids. Uh, just seeing her in action with the kids, like being so patient, being, uh, again, like thinking of them, having the things that they, she has everything we need. That's what Momo, that's what Momo says. <laughs> she has all the things we need. <laughs> but, but, but I, you know, they had met a few, just two other people after my divorce. Yeah. And, but, you know, had been around other people. Sure. And just the way that they just naturally took to you, because I didn't like force it, didn't push them. I just wanted no, to see. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. And I, uh, and I have a special frustration for people who are like, well, this is who I like and the kids are just going to have to deal with it. It's like, good fucking luck. Oh, that's not going to go well. Yep. That's just so selfish. Yeah. And so, you know, I was nervous because if there was, a, if it was really bad, yeah. that would have that been the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. And I think I was a little bit more guarded until then. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And it just yeah. felt in my gut. And I have, if I really listen to my gut, it's never steered me wrong. Correct. Um, you do have a good gut instinct. Yeah. yeah and, and, and it just felt in that moment like, okay, yeah. that's, that's, uh, this is right. Yeah. I remember, I will tell you my moment, but I remember driving to the apartment that we, it was yours, but then became ours. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom and I was like, what if his kids are fucking assholes? <laughs> Truly. Right. Which is, I'm sure would be a huge concern. I'd be worried uh, about the same I, thing. I would be out. But it yeah. was like we just lined up. It, it was just obvious that they were, I mean, they are great kids. They were then and they are now. And we're very lucky. We don't have 
problem children. We have two healthy, mm-hmm. slightly nerdy kids. Like we're very lucky. Oh, they're not so glad they're nerdy. They're, they're not having sex. They're not doing drugs. Like all of the like big concerns, you know, mm-hmm. it, outside of health concerns. We don't have any of that. Yeah. And then they are two totally healthy kids. Like we don't fucking have anything where they're concerned. It's uncanny because I was. I was tough and I had health yeah. issues and all the things. So it's like, I know the other side of that coin. Um, but I was so grateful that like, you didn't let them be whiny brats. I mean, you let no. them be kids, of course, yeah. you know, kids are gonna have meltdowns, pee their pants, all those things. But like, gotta do, gotta do active parenting. Yes. Yes. Um, but I knew, I knew I loved you. I knew you were it after our first date, which is so insane to say, but I talked to my mom before we went on the date and I thought you were going to be a replacement. Like I was dating a guy was like trying to break up with him so yeah. that I could go on a date with you. I didn't really successfully do that because I remember I had to still actually break up with him after a couple yeah, dates. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought like, oh, I'm going to use Dan to get over Mark. Right. Like it was, you were just going to be booty. And <laughs> and then I called my mom the next day and I said, well, that's it. And she goes, what does that mean? I was like, no, that's it. He's my person. Yeah, we had a, we had an awesome was, first date. Yeah. Oh, we did. Mm-hmm. And... So cute. Dan recreated our first date for our engagement, which mm-hmm. was so sweet. Yes. Okay. Uh, these these should be, we can go a little bit quicker here. Tanya Buffalo says, who is reciting the incantation in the intro and outro? Congrats on 100. Uh, you and I are. Correct. It is. Mm-hmm. Just like, a little bit of modulation, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. The Joe, the Joe added. Yeah. Alicia Miller asks, what is your favorite horror movie? Oh, man. You know, like, it, it just changes over the years. I mean, it was, when I saw The Ring, that was my favorite one for quite a while. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, I, I've mentioned Pet Cemetery several times. That was one that really got me as a kid. Uh, and then there was Insidious. I really, really liked Insidious when I first saw that. And yeah. that, and that, be, that really, like, became one of my favorite horror movies. And then The First Conjuring, oh, when you man. and I saw that, oh, I was man. like, man, James Wan's direction. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Really loved that one. I would say The Conjuring, Insidious, and it's been too long now since I've seen The Ring to know, know if it holds up. But I know. I think it probably would. But I would say... Um, um, Probably The Conjuring right now. Okay, okay. Well, Conjuring and Insidious are also on my list of, mm-hmm. like, current ones. And then Mothman and Candyman, oh, yeah. those both fucked me up. Oh, but mostly um, 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 Stigmata. But I think that's because mm. I was raised Catholic. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Exorcist-type movies have never done it as much for me. Well, it's because you, you didn't have that upbringing. Yeah. Okay, this is a pretty funny one. Okay. Jared and, and you asks, have any horror themes made it to the bedroom? <laughs> nah, no, I don't think so yet. Um, no, no, and I'm not opposed to like cosplay types of. I think outfits are hot, yeah. but but nothing from a horror movie has jumped from like, oh, that'd be sexy. Right, I, I'm not in that headspace at all. No, w- with horror movies. No, you like a Dan likes like a pinup look. I do. Yeah. I, I like uh, yeah, Betty yeah. Page mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. works every time. They have a Betty Page tattoo, like uh, like like a classic pinup look, like mm-hmm. the the kind of 50s. image you'd see on the side of a you know. B-52 bomber or something yeah. like that. Vargas or, girls. Or B-17. Yeah, like that yeah. kind of like look. Love it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Spike Chandler asks, if you were cursed to have an attachment of any spirit creature from your spoopy stories, that's a drink, which would you be <laughs> most okay with sticking around and which would you avoid like your life dependent on it? Because it probably would. So out of the type of entities we've talked about, yeah. which is the one I'm okay with and which is the one that would I, I would like be beyond terrified? Yes. Um, 
Well, I mean, like some of the, I mean, I can't think of the exact, uh, but some of the demonic entities that we've talked about that are like truly malevolent Mm -hmm. that we've gone over. Um, Oh, God, I think about the one, like the lady in the nursing home. No, 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 she wasn't in the nursing home. She was, um, uh, oh, my God. She had dementia. Oh, yeah. In, in, in uh, San Francisco. I just ate my microphone. Yeah, yes, was, yes, and, yes, and that yes. little thing. They had, like, in-home uh, care. That's what you're thinking. The yeah. little thing that was crawling up on top of her. Oh, God. No thank you. They're all no thank yous for me. So many no thank yous. <laughs> so many. But some, like, some like antagonistic entity that's trying to harm you. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And then as, as far as the ones that we've gone over, they're like, oh, okay, that'd be cool, like, being my, my buddy. Um, my buddy, my buddy and me. Oh, uh, I know what I choose. You want me I don't help? Know. Yeah, you go ahead. Like my grandma, I would be so happy. Mm. I would, I would be so comfortable having my grandma Tilly, my dad's mom, with me all the time. She was my best bud. We yeah. were so, so, so close. Like, I would, I would pick by a pop award then. Yeah, if, if I were like spirit is nearby. Like, uh, it's so funny. It's like I, I get to this weird place. Where I'm like, well, I don't want to bother him. Like, cause what if he doesn't want it? What that if he? What if he's hanging out with you and your Swedish family? What if? What if he's with his Korean War buddies uh-huh. and and he's having fun like with his dudes and they're young and they're out like you know messing yeah. around with some uh, somebody and right? But but that's that's not the question. Okay. Well, the, I, him, him, his ghost would be my perfect yeah. ghost. I would least like to have like you said something that could yeah. that was trying to harm me, like a a hat man that I saw all the time. Oh, yeah. Um um um. Oh, what's the Ugh. one? What is? Ah, yeah, hat man. I'm trying to think of the one, like um tall. Thin, like Slenderman. Slenderman. I mean, he's a creepy pasta. I know, but, like, but still. Okay, okay. I, I wouldn't want that. Would you want that? No. Okay. Well, there you have it. Um, okay. One more show question and one more personal question. We'll get out of here. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, Sarah, this is a show question. Sarah McBrarity says, "Can you guys have a medium come on the show and do a reading for you guys, or maybe just mm. talk talk about what they do or share some reading experiences?" I would say on that maybe a bonus episode. Okay. But I do know because that, like, interviews people apparently don't like. Well, and I learned that on Time Suck too. Like I love that we had Mustafa on. I love it. He's, He's such great. a good dude. Yeah. And there's gonna be people who love him, and they should. But I understand when you establish a format that is not guest based and I know. introduce it, you're going to get more people in my experience our experience you know that are like angry than, mm-hmm. than that are happy that is 100 and i think about correct. that like on the time suck side i have to drink it now but with like oh, you know fuck. scared to death uh not scared to death oh my god um time suck no small town murders oh. Oh, you know yeah, yeah, james yeah. and jimmy uh, i love those guys i love those guys and by the way great show mm-hmm, great, great show but th- but you know there was a lot like the, a lot of kickback of like that's not what we like from right. your show I know. And yet there are people who are like, when are you going to do that again? So mm-hmm. it's, you can't. And then you don't want to open up the door and, and I'll muddy it up. I know. And in anything artistic, it is subjective and you cannot make everyone happy. And mm. that's something you have to accept every time you sit down in this chair to record an episode. People are going to like it. They're going to be yeah. scared. People are going to hate it. They're not going to be scared. But I like it more when you do our stories. I like it that me it's too. just us the best. We, yeah, me too. Yeah. But I would, it would be really fun to do like a tarot card reading, a medium mm-hmm. to see, especially for you, I think, because you've never done any of that stuff, right? No. Very skeptical of that. But if I really want to have some, uh, oh, participation in like picking the person who, like who, who does it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's something to think about for the future. Okay, okay. Last, last question. Yeah. Dominique Ashcraft. I realize that these are mostly women's questions. Kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys as a cu- uh, have you guys as a couple and a family 
figured out how to create and maintain a healthy work-life balance since starting the show. I always wonder Mm -hmm. how you guys at Bad Magic seem to be in all of the shows. That is true. But also seem to do things outside of Bad Magic. Where do you find the time? Organization and teamwork. Where it's like Lindsay takes on for her and I takes on so many of the non-work responsibilities. Checks in with me about it. Lets me know. That frees me up time for work. Yeah. And then it is, you know, with like, I mean, kid weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like on non-kid weeks, we work crazy hours. Yeah. I mean, like not exaggerating. We basically work to midnight every day and we're up at, I mean, I'm up at. 5.45 5.45 every yeah. day, and Dan's up at 6.30, more yeah. or less. Yeah. We're going on a vacation here coming up, and to try and get, like, prepare for that, I mean, I think I got five hours of sleep last night, but it was, like, it's it's been really efficient with your time, and I will say, like, one of the biggest sacrifices is I don't do a lot with, like, you know, friends. Like, right. I, I just had right. actually in the bathroom here, there's a great guy that works in the building, Trevor. You know, it's like, oh, I yeah, go, did you yeah. see him? Mm-hmm. Dang, I, I love fi- him. I want to go fishing with him one of these times. I've been wanting to go fishing with some friends for about a, two years. Yeah. And it's like, and there's just never, it's like, okay, got to get the work done. Got to hang out with the family. And then if I have time left, occasionally yeah. I do stuff with friends. Yeah. But it is making those sacrifices. And what I never do mm-hmm. is just like sit around and watch a TV show. Unless like when I watch, talk about shows I watch, it's like if I'm at the gym uh-huh. and doing cardio, I'll have a show on. Yes. At lunch yep. kind of thing. Or on a plane, yep. touring, when I'll watch it for when when take off and landing. Right, right. Because... When I can't work. Because we work on every flight. It's not like, oh, you're up in the yeah. air. It must be nice to have a break. Nope. There's no breaks. Yep. When the Wi-Fi goes out on the plane, I get so fucking happy. Yeah. I'm like, ha Literally can't do anything. But also, we, we, we're getting a, uh, a better and better team here. Yes. And I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's yes. gotten better. Yes. Oh, my God. It's not like it was. If nope. you guys go back to oh, like- Oh, it was chaos. I don't know. First kn- couple years. Like somewhere in Time Suck, there was a period of time, have to drink, bad magic <laughs> show- um, where people were actually concerned that you were going to have a heart attack or a mental breakdown. And I remember calling Sarah, uh, James of Small Town Murder's wife, and just crying to her. I'm like, he's going to have a heart attack. Like, I was so concerned. Do you remember you were having those heart palpitations? Yeah, I was a little nervous for myself because I was was consistently not getting, I was so much caffeine every Uh day, never getting sleep, and just feeling like when you get so tired, you're like, something's breaking in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was (laughs) scary for a minute. (laughs) But we got... um, uh, we got through that and then, and then now it's protection mode, which is yeah. so different where it's like, it was this build mode and, and you just give everything. And now it's like, uh, I am so protective mm-hmm. of staying true to the core things, family and the most important work things yeah. that when people bring up like, Hey man, what if we did this? Or what if nope. you did this with me? My immediate reaction is like, no. Yeah. And I don't care if you don't like that. I'm not going to do think that. You can like read it on my face. Like I immediately get a little like fuck off. Right. It's like, nope, pay those dues. Yeah. Going to focus on the important things when there's time to do it in a fun way. Yeah. Great. And until then, stay away. Yeah. I think yeah. we're really um, and we're really efficient. We make a lot of like, OK, we could like go out to lunch every day and mm-hmm. have like a long hour, hour and a half lunch because people are always like, oh, it must be so nice to work for yourself. It's like the difference between working for yourself and not working for yourself most often, I'm not saying this is true of all jobs because that would be ignorant, is that we don't ever get to leave our work at work. Right. So we're going to go on vacation, but Mm -hmm. we're going to get up every day and work for four hours while we're on vacation so that when we come back, it's you just you don't ever get to stop. That's right. the thing. And so it's like you make choices about like, well, instead of going to a long lunch with a friend and catching yeah. up, we'll like get a smoothie and work through yep. lunch. And that's not that's not no. every day. And we're not being martyrs. I'm not no. trying to like. And that's why it's important to pick what you love. Yes. Because I can say that for sure. If we didn't love. Oh, didn't my God. Love I couldn't do it. Putting together horror stories. If I didn't love putting together research for the show, I won't name because I don't want to have a drink again. <laughs> if I didn't love like, you know, joking around with Joe and, right. and, and coming up with these, you know, like, uh, you know, talking about these silly segments. Right. 
then it wouldn't happen. No. It wouldn't happen. So, so even like a vacation. You have to follow your bliss. Yeah, follow your bliss. Like four hours feels like vacation. It feels like a treat. And it feels like a treat where I'm like, oh, cool. I get to sit down and do what I love uh-huh. for four hours. And then I get to hang out with my family on vacation, which I also In love. In this like beautiful location. That, Amazing. You know, yeah. No. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it is efficiency mm-hmm. to the max. Like, you know, yeah. we, we had on this other show on our network. Yeah. Uh, the fight camp was one of the sponsors. So it's like, we have fight camp in our basement. So mm-hmm. now you can like work out it. Cause we don't have a gym in our house. We don't have room for a gym. Yeah. We don't have the money for a gym, all the things. So we have fight camp. Yep. So it's like, okay, well like you do that because that, that takes less time than driving to the gym down the street. Like you just make these really, really concise choices yeah. and you smash your meetings into one day. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And you just fucking do it. Like, like going back to what I said a while ago, you can acclimate to anything. Yeah. So if you want it bad enough, mm-hmm. if you, if you can get lucky enough and have the work ethic, like everything has to line up. Yes, we're not ignorant to that. Yep. And be strategic. Yeah, don't don't like fucking like, oh, I want to have a podcast and I really fucking love wine corks. So I'm going to talk about corks. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, think it through. Think it through. Yeah. Like, like be, be, be smart about the choices you make. And if, you know, I don't know. The other thing I think about too, sorry, just I'm like rambling now, but not everyone wants to start a business like mm-hmm. being successful is okay not, not to, being yeah. a business owner yeah. being successful to me is going to bed every night feeling like mm-hmm. you did some good in the world like you're a, a good partner or a good uh son or daughter or a good husband or wife like whatever it is whatever yeah. your role is in life going to bed satisfied yep. that is fucking success and it, it comes in so many different forms and i don't think that people should beat themselves up like no. i could be doing so much more but stop you don't need are, to are you happy Lindsay's dad is so happy my dad is so, dad so happy he worked at a happy. ford plant for years did not care about his job at all hated was, it hated it but was happy it allowed him to do the, what he wanted to do with the rest of his time and he'd always say my job doesn't define me yes it you only know, it pay, my it job pays, does not define me but it pays for the life i love mm-hmm. and he and, it, and that mentality has worked out splendidly for him yes he is could he have a bigger house sure but he doesn't care and he doesn't need it he doesn't care he's winning he is he's won he he retired early in life like Mm -hmm. you know before 65 all the things and he is fucking i love it he he, um him and my stepmom scrimp and save so that they Mm -hmm. can rent a a friend's timeshare in florida for four weeks every great time oh my god he like every day it's like pictures of corona bottles and gelato and he is fucking happier than a pig in shit he's killing it yeah, and that and that's all it is. It's not. It doesn't have to be all these other things. You don't nope. have to do this and this and this. Despite what fucking your social passion media project will tell you. can be your hobby that that's you right. never monetize. Yep. It just makes you happy. Yep. You want to fucking make pickles? You do that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Thank oh. you for letting this get to a hundred episodes. Yes. Thank you for two and a half hours of super duper <laughs> awesomeness. I hope you guys love this episode. Hmm. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Thanks for the support. Hope you were scared to death. Love you guys. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. 